Hello and welcome to the first ever NRL Supercoach BDE podcast. We are the best draft experts, and this is a bit of a rebrand for uh, long-time draft experts Simon and Chris. Uh, back at you with uh, the, the best draft analysis in the game. Uh, Simon, welcome back to the rebranded potty, mate. How are you? Hey, mate, I'm outstanding. Bloody loving it. Loving the new lease on life. Get back to just keen to talk some footy, mate. Get back into it. Yeah, mate, uh, very excited to get stuck into footy, and I almost just jumped straight into talking about the game last night, but then we have a very spe- special announcement. Joining us this year is uh, uh, Toddy. Uh, Todd, Todd is a, a long, diehard fantasy fan, part of our, our league, um, absolutely loves his footy, and he's going to offer a bit of that uh, bit of that colour commentary that we've been, we've been needing, <laughs> mate, so welcome. Welcome, Toddy. Cheers, mate. Appreciate the intro. Very happy to be here. Looking forward to the footy season, especially after last night. Boy, howdy. The listeners are probably hearing that very smooth voice, and that's really why I've got him on here. Um, head like a beaten favourite, I do tell you. But yeah, boy, head for radio, that's for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. but thankfully you haven't got to look at any of us, so that's a uh, win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, boys, look, very excited to bring this um, this segment to you. So this is obviously our, our regular uh, pre-season podcast where we will break down for you the all-important first-round draft predictions and rankings. Um Obviously, uh, we've uh, against the the keenness of, of Simon. We're going to put in about a captain speak this year because we know a lot of you play captains. Um, thoughts on that, Timo? Oh, you summed it up perfectly. Just I'm not I'm not going to rag on people each to their own. I'm obviously in the camp of no captains in draft. I feel like it gives off just a bit too much of an advantage. But you've twisted my arm, and I've come around on it. That we we better. Give some advice just to those people that want to want to be a bit frisky with the captains this year. Yeah, we we will just reiterate for those um, who are, I guess, new to the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us in the, with the rebrand. Um, we uh, we we advocate advocate not having captains because we think it just really uh, takes away a bit of the skill. Um, but we will this year cater a bit better to that with just a, a throwaway one liner that will make Simon be quite upset each week. So um, <laughs> that's going to be exciting. Um, so we're then going to jump into a bit of a team overview. Um, so doing it a bit different this year to that way in that we're going to go through possible lineups, highlight some guns, those mid-rounders and the Smokies, um, and maybe just an idea of where to, you know, to maybe look at drafting some of those guys in your in your 10-team leagues primarily. Um, segment three is going to be a bit of a breakout and bust, and we're going to throw in a bit of a money where your mouth is um, sort of a, you know, a boom or bust or uh, type segment. So uh, be interested to see what the boys come up with. Uh, we'll throw in a bit of draft strategy as well around different positions and, and, and how deep they're all looking um, or shallow. Hello, 5'8". And then we'll just do a bit of a wrap-up then around some scheduling um, and just really any other banter we can get across. So boys, without any further ado, let's get into that first round um, and and how it's looking. So um, look, Simon, you were lucky enough through a terrible dart throwing (laughs) um, set up by myself. Very embarrassing. Uh, Missed a lot. It was shocking. Um, maybe even for the listeners, mate, we could post some of that stupidity um, for a bit of a giggle. Sit through about 20 minutes of you missing darts, <laughs> mate. To be honest, <laughs> it took a while to hit 10. <laughs> hit 10 balloons with darts took a while. Um, but straight off the bat, mate, you you ended up with the first overall pick. Can you look outside of Turbo in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, well, first of all, mate, I actually thought you threw darts exceptionally well. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually looked oh, your ticket over the Premier League for next year. I it was excellent. Oh, dear. Um, but to answer your question, for me, uh, 
there, there is a brief moment where I did consider um, going away from Turbo, but when you really dig into the stats, it, it's really difficult to. Um, I know that there's, there is some people out there that would take Cleary first because fullback is much, much deeper than halfback, uh, which we'll get to later on. But I, I just don't see how you can't uh, c- you can't pass up on 143 average. No. Superstar, yeah. No, does he stay fit? That's the only question for me. And I know, Toddy, we've spoken a fair bit about it. That's really the only question, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing for me is that's why I'd be a little bit safer and go the, go the Cleary for me. But Turbo, you I mean you can't sort of knock back that average. It's just the health. It's can he stay fit? Easily for me, then, my favourite pick in this draft is is quite clearly number two. Um, if you're lucky enough to get that in any way, shape or form, I think you're absolutely laughing because they're the clear top two players going into the year and I'd be I'd love just to take whoever, whoever falls to number two, so to speak. So they're the easy top two. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Um, moving forward, then, it starts to get a little murkier. So for me, there's a clear next three um, and, and I've got them sort of, I think, uh, Grant's because of what is likely to be a clear dominance at the position if he stays fit. Um, you also have Walker, who is upside at 5'8", is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and then uh, I guess as well, well, to be honest, they're, they're probably the next two for me. Uh, sorry, with Teddy, makes it five. Do you guys think Puppin belongs anywhere with those guys, or do you think he's after those three? Yeah, you can take it, Toddy. Um, I... You can go, mate. All right. Uh, for me, Parpin is not. I just think with the HIA and it's just the size of his body really scares me. And I think with uh, with 5'8 beans, as we're going to talk about, pretty shallow. Cody Walker, for me, is pretty juicy behind uh, yeah. Harry Harry Grant. <laughs> Yeah, so you're a you're a staunch Harry Grant third, uh, Todd's are. And yes. just just talk to that a little bit for me, mate. I just think he's going to be by far the best hooker. And, I mean, even last year he was five points ahead of Damian Cook, which is huge. Um, and then this mm. year, bigger bigger minutes, I think he's going to play a lot more. And it's an easy pick for me, I think. Okay. Simon, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I respect Tidy for that. Personally, though, I'm for me it's Tedesco at three, and it's, it's not close. I... I just think in the improved Roosters team, Tedesco's shown consistency to average high 80s to 90 nearly. Um, I just feel like as much as Harry Grant gives you a big big advantage at hooker, um, there's not that many other great options at, at, at the hooker spot. So I feel like if you if you don't get Grant and you're stuck with anyone else, and that even includes Cook, he was a bit underwhelming last year, you're not actually that worse off against you know, nine other guys in yeah. the league. So yeah. um, for me, I'd rather have the guy with the with the chance to score 120 plus on the reg um, in Tedesco. And I think Grant would probably come next. I'm not going to completely dismiss it, but um, if it was me picking third, I'd go Tedesco. Yeah, Walker Grant. I, I'm I'm probably I understand the argument for both there. I think Teddy's the one that wins your weeks. Grant could be the guy that wins your weeks. We haven't seen what he does with the like. I presume he's get his minutes are going to tick up if he can stay fit to closer to that like 68 to 72 range, um, which to me is just a, a walk up 80 average. If that 80 average includes that, you know, burrowing over for some consistent upside, maybe he is that absolute fluke at one position that you know, um, it, sorry, standout. I should say at one position that wins your weeks. But I'll go Teddy as well. I think Walker. Grant is a very interesting one for me because 
Cody Walker, yeah, you've got Cameron Munster later on in the first round, more than likely, but Cody Walker's upside is just it's ludicrous. Thoughts on those two? Oh, he could be he could be scary this year with with more ball going through him. What what figures to be more ball through him with Reynolds gone? It's kind of freaky to think what could happen if if it breaks that way for him. Obviously, um, there's theories where the loss of Reynolds could do the opposite, but. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if he's getting the, the chance to steer the, the ship, um, put in a lot more attacking kicks as well, he's going to get a lot more forced dropouts and things. So, yeah, Cody Walker could be phenomenal this year. Yeah, so are we on board? I think it sounds like we're in agreement. There is a clear top five. Um, I thought maybe uh, – Papin for you, is he clearly after those that crew, Simo? Um, no, for, for the same reasons um, as Tedesco, I think I'd probably have Papin at, at five – just before Cody. Um, mm, interesting. It's yeah, I haven't I haven't really thought a lot about it. Um, you know, now that we've kind of discussed it on the pod, it's, you've definitely got reason to to swap them around. I've just always been drawn a bit more towards the elite fullback if I had to um, make a decision on a draft day. So that's kind of, I guess, where my tendencies lie a little bit. Yeah, wow, that, that's the first big difference we have. I, I've got that as a clear win for Walker. Um, the, the Pappen injury record and the fact that you, you can grab some of those other fullbacks later on that are still capable of being quite, um, you know, match winners as well. So I, and I obviously, I actually have, um, personally, I have uh, Munster as well, very close to Pappen, just for the reason that those two reasons as well, because the drop off to the next best five eighth, like, boy, it gets, it, we, I don't know we keep alluding to it, but it is a shocking position this year. It is rough. It is very rough. Okay, so we've got past. I think we're we're getting up to number six there, um, and then Munster seven ahead of Latrell. Yeah, I think so. Um, you, you've got the the extra game suspension for Latrell as well to factor in, but um, yeah, this is where it gets to the point where I think um, position scarcity starts to go in the Munster favour. I just as much as Latrell's going to be a much better player with the kicking, uh, I just I feel like his base is still not quite there with the others that we've mentioned. So I, this is probably the tipping point where I'd I'd start to look at the five eights here. I think the other one it, it, it is interesting for me whether David Fafita starts sneaking his way into other people's consideration because he, as shown by that absolute ridiculous <laughs> run last night, like. If Oof. if this if this is the year that they finally say, all right, buddy, here's the ball, do your thing, and they've got a better, I guess, structure of their team as well around him, like David Fafita is potentially the one guy I'd start to consider here. What are your thoughts? Well, obviously last night, that run, boy howdy, what a what an absolute specimen of a man. He just palmed off and broke so many tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think he's definitely Big difference between him and, and the next best in 2RF, but I don't mm-hmm. think I could take him there. Is that because of the value likely coming back to you in round two if you're feeling that way? Because you'll still likely have a shot. Um, it, it, assuming we're getting to seven here, there's a chance Cam Murray is still there on the way back. Um, if you're a Matto believer, may, you know maybe even Cam McInnes later on, Tavita, Papali. Like, there's there's some talent to be had there. Yeah. Um, it's it's in, it's an interesting one because Cam Munster for me is a bit of a flat track bully and he's actually more of I don't know he doesn't hover in that upside zone as much as you'd like he always bothers me a bit as a round one pick that's why I could be convinced potentially part of me for feeder. Are you talking eighth overall pick here or are you, are you up to nine now? 
We're sort of in that seven. So th- this is where Munster Munster's technically, I think, seven. So you've got Latrell as the clear eighth pick. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely have Latrell um, the next pick. I feel like that's to me at least it's a clear eight. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, um, and for feeder then is is probably going to settle in 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 the discussion for for ninth overall. Um, but as you say, he he's just such a weapon. He and he's going to. But, well, he has the potential to average 100, uh, as what we've seen in his 80-minute games last year, if you look at all his 80-minute um, performances. So, look, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be stupid for doing it. Uh, he's definitely in that discussion. Um, but for me, the clear top eight is the top eight. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And I think as well that it, it, the, the other name that I've heard mentioned in this sort of space is it, it kind of makes me a bit sick in the guts, to be honest, is DCE has to be mentioned here with an average of near 80 last year. Whilst Tur- If you think Turbo's staying fit for a full season again, DCE's upside is actually match-winnable in that team. Um, and, and obviously, Ruben Garrick benefited from it last year as well somehow. Um, DCE in, in, in contention here for you, Toddy? Uh, yeah, I think he sneaks into the end of one here. I, I really do. Uh, I don't think it's a fancy pick. Um, because the or sort of the Tommy Turbo thing there, Tommy, I've got Tommy going down probably, but at some stage in the year, and, it, and then that just turns into bad news for DC owners. So yeah, I think he sneaks in the end of, end of one, but yeah, okay. it's not for me. Other considerations here, you're looking at say like Ponga's always been traditionally in that spot, even though he was a down year last year. We'll talk a bit more about him, but you've got your Pongas, you've got Angus. And probably Payne Haas are the other names I think some leagues might be getting a bit, you know, having a look at. Um, where do you think they all sort of fall in, Simo? Yeah, I'm with you on the DCE thing being a bit gross to hear it. But when you said the 80 average, I think the position scarcity is a half. Going into strategy of how to build a team, it's always good to try and, and lock down one of those skill position players early, whether it's hooker, 5'8", halfback or fullback. When you get to that point, we've just lost all the the bona fide elite fullbacks, and obviously the the two five eights are gone. So DCE and Hughes are kind of the two guys left that are skill position players that probably have a a right to be picked in this range in this type of range. So as much as I wouldn't like it, if you're picking tenth, I think I think I'd kind of take DCE and just grit my teeth as I do it. The problem is here, if you don't say I, for example, I got ninth in, in our draft um, was the last last pick off the board, uh, you know, to end up in the ninth spot. And I, I looked at it. And if I was, for example, to take Fafita ninth, which he probably is the ninth best player this year. The problem with that is if the guy on the turn was to take DCE and say Crichton or Payne Haas or that type of combo or even Ponga, what on God's name are you doing in round two? I guess you, I guess you're looking at Hughes, aren't you? Really, and, um, and and that is not as good a combo for mine. I I don't Jerome Hughes. So the difference between DC and Hughes is quite obvious to me in that Jerome Hughes, he's a very consistent half, but I don't think he's your blow you away win a week half that you want out of a, you know, a, a really high draft pick. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I understand that he 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 doesn't have that same gear i suppose do, do you think about any of the hookers then at that point because other than grant you've you've we did mention cook and, and probably mckinnis as the next the next two if you're looking at skill position them versus ponga what do you reckon 
Well, I, I actually have quite controversial hooker rankings, which I'll share with you later, that would tell me that I definitely am not interested in any hooker there at all, not even a Excellent. little bit. So I'll yep. talk. I'll cover that. Do you? That good, really good question though, Simo. Do you, Toddy? Do you think you could consider your your Cook or McInnes? There? No, I don't think so. I think I have to take sort of a ponger in that range. I think there's. I think there's a drop off between the next two best fullbacks and ponger and probably Gutho to the rest of the pack. I mm. think you have to take ponger. Yeah, yeah. D- see. For mine, I think DC, the reason why I probably take him nine is because it's very unlikely the guy on the turn will take Fifi and Crichton. So if you just, you sit back, he's almost certainly going to take Fifi as one of the turn players. You just take whichever one he doesn't. Yeah. I think it's a pretty straightforward from nine. So, what? yeah. So back into the first round, it's fair to say, Simo, you hit the nail on the head. There's almost a clear top eight this year and then a bit of a gap. Yeah, and it has to be said, don't do what the guru did in the Legends League and go 2RF, 2RF on the turn. It's It just doesn't work, boys. We've seen it. It just does not work. There's some draft strategy prep for the listeners. Don't do that. <laughs> Especially when one includes Lolo with question marks going into oh, the year. No. no, it's just... Well, yeah, you can't just be assumed that the, the turn guy will just spit out one of those 2RFs because unfortunately it happens. Yeah. It does don't, happen. Don't be the guy. That's a great advice. As good as Fafita and Crichton look on paper, I will wager, if anyone wants to send it in at the end of the year with a title, having in a competitive league, I'm going to put an asterisk there, uh, with those two picked in the first two rounds, then please send it in at the end and, and, and let us look stupid, all right? Yeah, that's fair. It has to be a 10-team league or more. And, and competitive. I don't want to see any obvious collusion, all right? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it. All right, so I just think while we're here, so I think that's sort of the the first round wrap up. I think it, it's pretty straightforward, you know, the 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 top eight with a few different options down the end. Um, any other comments, I guess, on the first two rounds that where you think, uh, you know, I think Nico Hines is an interesting one for me with the average last year. I feel like some people would already be getting frisky about Nico and and picking him up this early. That's that you don't don't be that guy, right? Well, I was going to say to you, before you touched on Hines, I was just going to butt in and say, I feel like a lot of the people out there listening are probably wondering why on earth we have not mentioned Ruben Garrick or Brian Toro's name yet, Mm. uh, just based on their average from last year and why we haven't brought them up at all. Yeah, dude, care to elaborate, mate? Oh, I just, well, I, I don't know about you guys, but just for me, we've always been of the thought of, of not drafting CTWs early. Um, I guess the question has to be asked whether the, the tide's turned in terms of super coach scoring, or you need to think a bit different just about the structure of your team. But um, for me, like to touch on Hines, then like if I did make a decision on Nico Hines versus Garrick or Toho, I mean, after watching Nico Hines last night, he was going to be well, someone for me I wasn't that keen on, but. I actually think he'll he'll do enough in that Sharks team just by just by way of of sneaky base. If he's kicking goals, he had a bit of pretty good kicking game there for last night. Mm. Um, obviously, halfback, fullback eligible. I think my, my yeah my opinions changed. I'd probably take Hines over the CTWs, which is probably a bit silly based on averages. I agree. It's always a hard one, and we. Uh, for, for listeners of our podcast, we've been, you know, doing this for best part of a decade now, Simo. It's um, 
when you take the CTW early, boy, does it have to be right. Because if they, you, you're already going to gouge yourself at one of the spine positions, or you're going to be weak in the forwards, right? So you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage elsewhere. If, for example, Brian Tor, or God forbid, happened to go down, right, you're in a lot of trouble. Strife. Big, big, yeah. big strife. I guess that, yeah, the, the thing is, it's such a volatile position. It, it, sometimes it's it's not so much what those two do. Like, you could you could draft Toho and Garrick, and they still have pretty good seasons, 65-plus. But there's just always that centre wing that just comes from nowhere that someone picks up off and off waivers who averages really high. And it's just yeah. going on a price-scoring run. And automatically, you're kind of behind the eight ball when that happens. Yeah, I wouldn't advise getting jumping on this early. It's certainly something worth looking at. You know, where do you think your Toors and your Garrick? They're the two standouts from last year. Alex Johnson as well, by the way. What a ridiculous season had. Um, those three with their very high averages. Like, where are you starting to think about grabbing them? Uh, yeah, I think back end of back end of two mid to mid three. Like, they're not going to last that long, and I understand that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think they're probably in that range where, um, as soon as those hookers start to come up as best options, I'd, I'd much rather have them over the hookers for sure. So okay. probably 17th, 18th overall, somewhere in there. So start of round three, ideally, if you could pair them with a, you know, get your, get your spine player in round one, pair them with a decent forward and then come back and grab one. You'd be okay with that. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, I do. The reason why I say that is I just feel like it's so risky. If you're picking it on the snake picks, so mm-hmm. nine or ten, mm. taking one of them there, you've got such a long wait till your next pick. It's um, mm. it's risky. It's very risky. Whereas when you're picking earlier in the draft, you've you've obviously solidified one of those elite players, so you've got a bit more leeway, I guess, to to um, construct a team where you've got more certainty over your picks because you've got less time to wait for you to your third round pick. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Todd, is there any, anything else to follow up with there on the CT dub, mate? Uh, not really, man. I'm, about, I'm pretty much on board with Simo there. I ha- I did sort of toy at the thought, thinking about my draft at the third spot of sort of third round taking a toll, but that's probably where he's going to go. I, I just, you know, he's got to do it on the draft day, but yeah, it's probably more end of two, start of three sort of thing for your, okay. your top tier CT dubs. Nice. All right, boys, that was, uh, that's segment one, so feel free. Um, we'll have some social media uh, set up um, to, to receive questions. Um, happy between now and when people are doing their drafts, we'll do our best to get back to you um, across those social media platforms around any questions around your first and, and second round draft picks. I'd say for, for people playing, especially if you're new to it, just, just try and roughly stick, be safe. Like, it, it, you may have a favourite player, you may have a favourite team, but it is always fun to win. Participation's <laughs> yeah. good, but it's fun to win. You'll be able to get these players a little later on and maybe just dra- you know, draft them a little bit earlier. You don't have to take them in round one and two, okay? If you're a big Tessie New fan, don't grab them in <laughs> round one. <laughs> if you're huge on uh, Marty Tapao and Roger Tua versus Sheck, don't take them in round one. Yeah. Fair enough. A little bit of an in-joke there with some previous drafts. Um, yes. We once saw Ben Hornby in round one, didn't we? Simo? Ben Hornby. Believe yeah, it or that not. Was, I think that was the all-timer. Ben Hornby at fifth overall. As, oh, it was a special moment. Uh, yep. I think that guy still won the league somehow, mind you. So. <laughs> yeah, and here we are trying to talk about competitive leagues and why... <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, that was a long time ago, mate. Long time ago. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Let's jump into segment two, boys. So, uh, look, I tell you what, we've started off at just a cracking pace here, lads. Very impressed. Are we hyped? I'm hyped. Hyped. Beautiful. There's the colour commentator. It's going to be hyped, mate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Segment two is around. um, We're going to jump through each of the team lists. Um, Now, these, admittedly, these are subject to change. So, let's know, you know, don't go hold us over the coals for getting these slightly wrong. We're going with what we think will likely be the starting lineups and, and sort of putting together a list of, uh, you know, some guns that you, and where they should go, mid-rounders and the odd Smokies, um, and maybe the odd bus thrown in there too. So let's jump into the Broncos. Um, first up, Tessie New looks like he'll get the start at fullback. Um, thoughts, boys? Are we? Is he someone you're interested in, or is it his job to, to get, you know, pushed aside by Selwyn Absolutely five games not. into the year? Nothing I've seen on my eyes that said Tessie New is going to be a good NRL player or fantasy relevant for mine. I like him as a centre, actually. It's just they don't have any spots at centre. So he's he's not a fullback. He's going to get bombed and drop the ball a couple of times and push off the ball, and that's it. Timo? I've got, I've got, I'm not going to um, rag out on him, actually. I've actually got a sneaky little bit of interest in him. Um, okay. The, the dual-eligible CTW, um, he showed a little bit at the end of last year. He's not going to be a world-beater, let's be honest, but a guy that can base okay with a sprinkling of upside. Uh, job security is obviously going to be the big issue. If you can somehow pair him with Cobbo and mm-hmm. handcuff them both as late-round mm-hmm. picks, mm-hmm. that's the only way I'd, I'd recommend it. But I'd rather I'd rather have him in my CTW later on than, than some of the guys we'll get to in the CTW. I'm Look, I, although I think there's a chance he loses his job, I think he's one of those guys, as long as you're not spending a very early draft pick on him, if you get him as your third or fourth CTW and he happens to hold on to the fullback spot, he's a busy player and he's at least going to hit some upside, hopefully in a better Broncos team. So I get where you're coming from. It's just the job security thing. And I um, and also, Simo, just do you want to talk about, um, for those who are new to the podcast, um, you, you mentioned handcuffing, mate. What do you mean by that? Um, yeah, so with the handcuff, it's when you – have the the guy that would take the a player that you own's position. So in this particular situation, if you were to draft Tessie New, um, make sure you spend a later round pick to draft Selwyn Cobo, so that if Tessie New gets injured, uh, Selwyn Cobo would then take his spot at fullback. Uh, especially given they've both got the same dual position, CTW fullback. So uh, your fantasy team can just go well, out goes one, in comes the replacement, and away you go. Um, so, the, yeah, it has to be the same team, has to be same position um, for it to be a feasible strategy, but something you and, could do in this position. I was going to say, that's a really ideal version where Selwyn Cobbo may have at least four CTW value if the if the matchup's right for the Bronx. So it's not the absolute worst one. Um, another example of it this year, for example, would be Pappenhausen and likely Nick Meany, should Pappen go down. I imagine he's been groomed for that fill, uh, fullback role as a, a, you know, to deputise should uh, Pappen go down. The only difference there is that Meany doesn't have a starting spot, so you've got to burn a bench, bench position. Yeah, yeah, and... and it, Absolutely has to be same position on Supercoach as well. There's been times where people have had the handcuff, but when someone's gotten injured, they might only be 5'8 only or, um, you know, CTW 5'8 and they haven't been able to fill in the spot or halfback only takes their position or something. It's You can get messy if you don't um, do it right. So um, okay, just something okay. you can do. 
Moving on through, love to hear your thoughts on Katoni Stags there, Toddy. Yeah, look, coming back from a big injury, um, I think for most coaches, he'll be watching to see what he does in trials if he gets some gets some uh, miles under the legs. But obviously, crazy good talent. Um, just whether the injury sort of holds him back, but definitely, definitely on my radar, Tony Staggs. Yeah, he's he's tough not to like because the base and the upside. It just he's definitely got that injury tag with him now, like a couple of seasons into the league. Um, I'm just glad that that talk of him playing fullback has disappeared, and he can just lock in being an elite center. Um, he's just he's just not a fullback. No, what worries me is if they play him at five eight though. Like it's it's oh. possible. Oh, look. <laughs> Let's hope that Albert Kelly's great performance last night has stood out to uh, a coach that you and I aren't massive fans of in terms of his selections, Simo. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, look, so I'll, I'll move into So Katoni Staggs is one. Um, do you think Jordan Pereira, a guy we've always talked up on the potty, do you think he'll sneak into the starting wing berth? Yeah, I do. I, I love him. I think he's a yeah. great value, Pereira. Um, I do too. Knew he was going to come up on the podcast, and this is not recency bias based on the trials yesterday or anything. Mm. I kind of discredit the fact that the Broncos did what they did <laughs> against Wynnum, but um, Pereira's very much in that kind of like a Mansour-esque when Mansour was in his prime. Yep. Just that tackle-busting, 15 to 20 hit-ups a game, so he's got a good base. Um, if, if he can jag the left wing, especially for mm-hmm. the Broncos, mm-hmm. even on the right wing, I'll still like him, but left mm. wing would be just phenomenal for a late-round CTW. We love him here on this body, and I think if you get him as your fourth CT dub and he does get that spot, I, I absolutely love that as well. Um, just some other guys here. So does Ryan James factor into any fantasy relevance? If it, I guess Flegler's out for the first four rounds, I believe. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, could Ryan James carve out some minutes there to be fantasy relevant again? Toddy? Uh, I think he'll get the minutes. Whether he's going to be fantasy relevant, I'm not entirely sure with Ryan James. I really hope for his sake he does become back to sort of what we we know of him, but I just don't know. I just don't think he will. I think he might. The injuries might have caught up to him. Okay, fair enough. I agree. I'm not. I'm not too big on Ryan James myself. Um, just just don't start Jake Turpin unless you absolutely <laughs> just just don't just don't do it. Um, you won't enjoy it. Uh, it'll be really crap to watch. You'll be very frustrated. And um, yeah, I'm not even going to throw that out because I hope you both agree. Um, Adam Reynolds, I think that is a pretty exciting play for him, being the big, you know, big fish in the little pond kind of thing now that the Broncos are. Everything runs through that man, and if Albert Kelly is outside him, I think that's got to be good for fantasy, right? He'll be one of those guys that I think will find a way to get a decent fantasy production just without being overly spectacular in real life. Mm -hmm. I think his kicking game, especially his short kicking game, I could see him getting two force dropouts every week, mm-hmm. at least. But, One of the and best. Then, and then some weeks he'll just have blow-up games where he just has it on a string and gets, you know, four or five drop force dropouts. He might put up a bomb and um, you know, gets a try assist off a deflection or something. Like, I think he'll get just enough to be a serviceable halfback without being a well-beater. Yeah, agree. Yeah. And Albert Kelly, we, we are we thinking he's the man to get the start? Jeez, coin flip, coin yep. flip with Kevy, isn't it? It would be you are you're right for that reason. I think it's absurd showing what he did last year. The fact he's actually got some size, which Broncos defense has been just terrible the last couple of years. He's got to give him a shot. Um, he has got some sneaky upside as a player for fantasy purposes. Are you keen at all, Todd? 
this is where I'm sort of struggling because I think he is going to have those games where he just goes absolutely bonkers and you're going to be like, yes, Albert Kelly. But I think his floor is still going to be very, very low. Mm, I think he might make enough tackles just to sneak up to make that floor a little better than you think. Um, given that he looked okay at lock last night and he, it, you know, size-wise he's put on a bit, and he, but he still looks fast. I, I actually am sort of bullish on him. Um, I like him as a bit of a, if you don't get one of those elite 5.8s, for example, he's one that like a lot later on I don't hate. So decent option. Um, Payne Haas, is he, is he, do you get either of you just not get excited about Payne Haas given the modern game? Because I'm not. It's a hard one to know where to peg Payne Haas as a draft pick. Like you mentioned before, people could start looking at him at the at the round one, two turn. For me, that's way too early. I, I kind of view yeah. him much more at the other end of the second round than um, than the end of the first round. He's um, yeah. It's weird to say because he is an absolute lock to oh, be the number beast. one front rower, but yeah, it's just that lack of match winning upside these days it's hard to spend early picks on front rowers because you just don't get that that opportunity to to blow you out of the water and and win you a week with a hundred plus score it's it doesn't happen as well as often with with your front rowers as it does with your your highly coveted skill position players See, for me, I don't even think he's an absolute lock to be number one just because he, he usually lacks that upside. Like, the thing is, though, if he starts converting more goal line chances because Reynolds is a smarter half and will probably give him those chances, maybe he does average 70 plus and you look happy with it. But Papali in Pangai, if they have massive upside seasons, which is possible, um, and score the tries, they could average more than Payne, and you're not going to have to spend a round two pick to get um, to get either of those two. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. Um, where are you comfortable taking Payne Haas then? If you, where do you ha- have him pegged as an overall player? If I'm a guy who has got one of those elite fullbacks, I lump back around and grab another spine player. I could start him. I could start my forward pack with him at the beginning around three. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's pretty much where I have him pegged as well. Yep. What about you, Tony? Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same as you guys. Love watching him with the eyes on the old screen, but. Yeah, again, you're missing out if you're taking him early. Um, yeah, I'm with you guys there. The questions have to be asked with the Broncos pack, with Catewell coming in. If they play Catewell and Ricky for 80, um, Pat Carrigan, I know he's off, come back off the ACL, but he's usually a 60-minute player most weeks as well. I just, I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how the rotation works. I don't think the days of Payne Haas getting 70-plus minutes are still there. I think he could be more of a 60 to 65 minute player, which just kind of caps that upside a little bit for me. Kind of. I'll, I'll slightly disagree with that. So like, I can see what you're saying. I just think the bench, they've gone with this sort of young forwards that they're happy just to blood and have impact minutes. I think Payne's minutes of 65 to 70 are kind of secure because Ryan James is not going to play big minutes. Flagler's not a big minute guy. Well, he shouldn't be because he gets fatigued and misses tackles. <laughs> um, Capewell and Ricky for 80 and Carrigan rotated through for 55 to 65, depending on team need. I think Haas's minutes are actually pretty safe. Um, and maybe if he does only drop to about 65, do we see a slight uptick in upside with Reynolds? I think maybe. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Yeah. Um, speaking of then, Capewell and Ricky, I actually don't hate the look of either of them. So just be, uh, my lack of knowledge here around Capewell, which side will he play and will he be linked up with Reynolds at all? It's really tricky to t- to say because 
Ricky played right last year, and Capewell mm. played right at the Panthers. So they're both yeah, they're both right-handed, uh, sorry, right-side players. Um, Reynolds does play on the right as well. So it it all depends on if Capewell being the senior player of the two, does mm. he have preference to take that right edge with Ricky being shunted over to the left? Mm. Or is Ricky a specialist, and and I guess Capewell is more of a guy who can slot in anywhere. That's it. Yeah, I guess we don't know. Um, yeah, that's right. You interest, know. interest. I'm, I'm with you. I think we've already covered Carrigan. I, don't, I think we pretty much know who he is. He's a 55 to 65, pretty much round about a boring PPM, no upside, not really interested. Yep, that's fair. Um, yep. Capewell and Ricky though, they look like some good sort of middle of the draft options to sort of round out your two RF. Yep. I think so. Like they're, they're as you said, they're going to get the any minutes. You want those guys that are on the field for 80, just with the chance of a bit of upside on the edge. So yeah, I like it. Like it yep. as a late, a late, oh, I'm not sure. Well, Kate will go, go earlier than Ricky. I would imagine just because of pedigree. Um, which is not necessarily fair on Ricky, to be honest, but I'd say you're looking from probably round seven plus of these two guys. Jordan Ricky is one that I think is going un- going to be undervalued uh, on the base that he did come out terribly last year. Looked bad, yeah. got dropped by most teams. I actually had a really close look at him when I was putting together my rankings, and he actually came home quite strong, um, hit some upside. And I think, obviously, just with Reynolds in that team, I, I feel like he's a chance to be a really good third to RF with upside on board. Yep. I like it. All right. Um, that's it for the Bronx for me. So, um, look, just to sort of put a little, uh, I guess, comment around that, Bronx were always going to take a while with a lot of changes to the team. Um, Raiders, I we've got next. I'm just going to sort of run through a, a few of the basics. So, for me, uh, the, the guys that we're most interested in here, Jack White and Shawley to have a bounce-back season, both in real life and fantasy. Can he become relevant again with Fogarty as a really good half beside him? I think he can. I think he can. I think Fogarty's going to sort of control the kicking a lot more. Takes a bit of pressure off Jack, who can just get out, run, create. It'll be nice to see to get Jack back running. And Nickel Clockstar there as well to actually offer something on the sweep yeah. and, and, and offer that attack. I actually think Jack White, and if, he, if there are leagues that are drafting him based on a 48 average from last year, so I'm talking like 10-plus, there's a chance that if he's there and you haven't got a 5.8 from then, I think he is a really good bottom of the top 10 5.8 option. Simo? Um, yeah, I, I understand it. It's just he's not – you'd have to be getting him there for mine. I, I just, I've never been a huge Jack White fan for fantasy. Um, I just don't know where his upside lies um, in comparison to some of those other later round players, I guess. If you can get him late and he ends up being the sixth best five eighth, I guess you're happy enough. But um, yeah, he, he's not someone I'm all, I have been traditionally drawn to. I must admit. Yeah, with the low floor that he often presents, I I think it's interesting because I've got the Raiders to bounce back in a pretty heavy way this year. Um, with the old Ricky Stewart, one year good, one year bad, that it appears to have existed <laughs> since he came into the league. Um, if, you, if you're not sure of this trend, boys, have a, have a look and you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so, uh, look, I, I, I'm with you, Simo. The fact that you could get your sixth best 5'8 drafted from round 10 onwards means he's value for mine. Um, Jamal Fogarty. 
I know you're a bit of a fan, Toddy. What are your yeah. thoughts there? Yeah, I think he's going to go good. I like the way he controls a game. I really do. I think he's, I think because he's quite, he's a lot older than he sort of only broke out a couple of years ago, right? So he's a lot older. Yep. He sort of debuted late. He's got that maturity, that footy underneath his belt. I do like the way he controls a game, and he's got a better pack this time. He's got uh, a better fullback, in my opinion, real life fullback. Uh, yep. I think he's going to go good. So is he a starter in ten team leagues? That's the question. Oh, I believe so. I Very believe so. bottom, right? Yeah. Bottom of your ten? Yeah, bottom of my ten. Yeah, so you have him sort of around like your your Mitch Moses, Toby Sexton, Toby that Sexton, type of guy. Yeah, those guys are sort of lumped in a sort of a weird spot for me. Um, yeah, I do like Jamal Fogarty out of those guys though. Like if I was to okay. choose one, I think Jamal Fogarty's my kind of guy. I'm going to throw one out there uh, for I'll, Sim. I'll start with you. Sean Johnson versus Jamal Fogarty. Uh, SJ for me. SJ. Yeah, agreed. Todd. Oh, man, SJ's burned me so many times. Burned me so many times. Ah, uh, look, they're right next to each other on my rankings. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the backs of the Warriors. I don't know. It's just I like the team of the Raiders a little bit more, and I think that might work in uh, Fogarty's favour. For me. Yeah, they're going to be competing. I think Raiders for a red-hot chance to get back into the eight this year. I'm on board with yeah. that. Um, let's just go the forward pack. Any notable interest here? So uh, Papali'i is pretty much just going to be the same. Ran about a 60 average. I, I He's never a guy I find myself drafting because I think he's just over overvalued every year. Um, Tom Starling, for me, all the talent in the world. Super coach, if he got you know your 70-odd minutes, I think he's a clear top 10 hooker. Uh, is this the year that finally he breaks apart from Hodgson? I think last year was. I think he looked better than Hodgson last year. And with I Hodgson agree with that. Leaving, but, but yeah, but you got to remember that that didn't translate to getting the minutes consistently, yeah. though. Hodgson's on his way out, though. He's leaving next year. I can see Hodgson playing a little bit more of that middle role than uh, playing a lot of hooker. It's funny you say that, mate. I'm on board. I think Tom Starling, I've actually got him as my 10th ranked hooker. I'm bullish because I think talent wins through here. And I think it only just a good start to the season with Hodgson on the outer. I think Starling could be a sneaky good grab quite late in drafts. What are your thoughts, Simo? Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely hope so as well. Um, the problem is, is yeah, I, I, much like Toddy said, I just don't see as much as I think everyone agrees that Starling's a much more explosive player than Hodgson, but I feel like Hodgson is, is still going to start for the Raiders at hooker. So Starling's minutes, um, he might get 55 off the bench. Um, the only real way I can see him overtaking Hodgson is, is through injury. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Raiders have got so many forwards, Adam Elliott's there, that it, it's less time for Hodgson to rotate back through lock like he had been. Yeah, there's so, a lot of lock-eligible players in this on that bench. Like, Elliot and Sutton both on the bench potentially. Like, yeah, that's not yeah. good. Yeah, and you've got Emre Gula who's broken out a bit. Like, he's going to get a few more minutes. Um, I really, really want to say Starling is going to be all that in a bag of crisp, but um, you've got to temper expectations. I mean, you're getting him where you're getting him into the draft because of this position. Like, if he was starting, he's way up the hooker ranks, like you said. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a he's a good play for that reason, and he, you probably can roll him out as your tenth ranked hooker, off even off the bench because he has an upside. But it'll be a long season if 
you're waiting and waiting and waiting and it just never happens. And you're playing a a 55-minute starling off the bench for, you know, your whole year, essentially, so... I think it's pretty, for me, I'd do the long stack even, like, you know, Starling late, Hodgson late, just leading into round one, depending on when your draft is. If you've got clarity and you find out that Tom Starling is indeed starting and looking like a 60-minute guy and they're going to fade Hodgson, which is very possible, I'd get on it. I guess it just depends on the timing of your draft. Um, so just to run through the rest of the side, Joe Tarpany, we know as a talented player, um, he's frustrating himself as super coach. He has got the lowest floor. Don't He's a trap, always a trap for me. Um, Nickel Clockstar's not a starter in 10-team leagues. And the rest of these backs, I don't really have an interest other than Rapana, who is a very good, consistent, um, high base, decent upside CTW. Um, any other thoughts on the Raiders, boys? I love Matt Tomoko. You do? Um, yep. Yeah, I, I just get the feeling like he's just too good a player and he's too good a player to be left out of their team. And if he's only going to be at Sebastian Chris... I just feel like he'll he'll do that hands down. I um I, I love seeing team lists with Matamoko's not making the Raiders starting team because they've got Croker and Chris penciled in. So if that means getting Matamoko later, um, I'm all about him as a late round CTW. I've got Tomoko starting ahead of Chris. I think I think he's a better player too. I like that one too. That's a good late round bit of smoky there, mate. Very nice. Um, all right, we are uh, also. Corey Howard and Ira again finds himself in a bench spot to start the year. He <laughs> always finds himself into a 50-plus average, oh. and he looks great doing it, but just cannot get a trust of the coach. can't get a start. <laughs> no, I won't give him a start. His oh, impulsive offloads are, are great oh, yeah. for super coach, but co- real-life coaches can't help. Yeah, can't. fully <laughs> agree. He's like a low-key Cardi party, to be honest. <laughs> um, all right. On to the revamped Bulldogs. Much like the revamped BDE podcast you hear today, they've had a crack at really just gutting this side and actually putting some talent in there. Um, I really like what they're doing, and I'm excited to see going into next year when they, they also add Marnie. Um, it's going to be a pretty good Supercoach outfit as well, finally. So we don't just have to play, you know, the plugger that is uh, Josh Jackson. Um, it's pretty exciting stuff. I'm going to just run through a couple of names here and just say uh, where I have some interest. So Luke Thompson, he beasted last year. Um, I count that as a bit of a left field beasting. Simo, you were all over it. Um, He finally delivered on his promise after coming over from the UK. Can he repeat with a 60 plus? Um, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me because uh, we are going to do breakouts (laughs) and busts later. So (laughs) (laughs) got him. Got him. (laughs) <laughs> He's a big bust for me. I, I'm oh. not on Luke Thompson at all. Um, I've completely just – I don't have any faith in the minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's causing issues um, at the Bulldogs. You've seen a lot of few reports. We've just, just, we just lost your mic briefly, mate. I think you said something about vaccination status. Yeah, I was just saying he's been causing a few issues uh, behind the scenes yeah, right. at the Bulldogs. And, um, you know, there's been reports of him being shopped around in, for a potential loan deal. Mm. Um, and then I, I did mention the vaccination status. So the, Paul Vaughan coming in, obviously you've got Pangai now to, to take minutes as an edge. You've got Josh Jackson at lock. Um, probably RFM as the other edge back rower. Um I'm worried for minutes for Thompson, so okay. I don't see a 60 average again. And for me, he's one—he's he, pretty much my number one bust this year. Conversely, 
Paul Vaughan could be value in drafts. Tends to find his way to a sort of a 55 average with a very weird tendency to score plunge over tries in his career. He loves it. it. He's a big boy. He does, mate, doesn't he? I love a bit of Paul Vaughan, not going to lie. Uh, and barbecues. Can, can throw, throw, throw a mean barbie the kid. Um, where's, where's my invite, Paul? I'm talking you up, buddy. Come on, uh, look, it sounds like you're also in on this. He he could be had quite late, Toddy, and I, I think he's a he's a look as a second FRF. I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Paul Vaughan, he can get in my team as my second FRF for sure. All I right, like, I like the team as well. I do like the yeah. Bulldogs this year, boys. I really do. I do too. So I'm going to throw out the other one, Matt Burton. I, I haven't seen your rankings yet deliberately. We did them in secret so we could sort of, you know, chat about them today. Um, just as a little uh, thing for the listeners, we'll all be posting our separate rankings as they are from this podcast so you guys can use them. Um, feel free to use the format as well to adjust your own and, and muck around. But um, but anyway, Matt Burton, he's a really tough one for me in terms of where you actually have to draft him. Um, how early is too early, Simo? I feel like... Uh, I feel like round three is too early mm. and there's, that's kind of where he's been looked at based on his average from last year and the hype. Yep. yep. Uh, I wouldn't be touching him in round three personally, but mm-hmm. it's not to say I'm not a believer. Um, I guess I'm just, I'm not drafting him over sure thing type players at the moment. So, sure. um, if you wanted to own Matt Burton, I feel like he's kind of that back end of three start of four pick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's where I'd value him though. He's probably more of a four or five pick for me. Uh, I've got start of four, start of four for me, um, just because of what could be, but I certainly understand where you're going. There's a lot of moving parts in that team and it. We've seen in the NRL, it very often, it doesn't click straight away. So you might have to suffer through a pretty slow start. Um, Toddy, are you on Matt Burton this year? Oh, look, love him as a player, and his situation last year was good. But likewise with Simo and yourself, I just think it would take a while to hit the ground running. And, yeah, you're going to have to pay up to get him because of last year, what he did, and he was so good and all that sort of stuff. So I agree with Simo there. Like me a bit of TPJ, we, we do on this body. Uh, suspension <laughs> suspension risk aside, the kid just loves loading. Um He's a beast. I still can't believe that the Bronx... Anyway, we'll leave that. I've, I've gone about too much in the past. So, <laughs> the Bronx ain't t- a player, have they? I never yeah, know. Oh, let's just let's leave that alone. Uh, TPJ, on an edge, bulk minutes to be had in this side, depending on fitness. Like, I go, he is someone for me. I can make an argument he's the top front rower this year if he hits upside. It's possible. Any thoughts? Agree. Agree. He could be like number two to RF as well. It, it's he's such a beast. He could easily be just behind David Feeder. He's a weapon. Mine. I, I love him. Start around three, uh, or at least so, somewhere in round three for mine. Here's where he'll go and where he should go. Um, I I think he's a great. If you're starting off again with two spine players and he's your first upside uh, forward, I really like it. Simo. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say like. Does that give you a bit of worry though? If he's your number, if he's your first forward drafted, just with the suspension risk that you talked about, like as much as he's mm. such a great player and he's an absolute super coach weapon, um, there is that that risk there that you do factor in, I suppose. Does that worry you at all? 
No, because I think value of replacement for front rowers, you can go just grab a 50 average guy somewhere for those weeks he is suspended. Um, and that's not usually too hard to do with how deep FRF tends to be. Um, but when you do have him playing, you've got an advantage over pretty much most other front rollers in terms of try scoring, offloading upside. Well, he could, he could win you a week from the FRF. That is very rare. Yeah, good point. Um, for mine, Josh Jackson will drop back in average this year. I think that was a bit of a fluke for mine. Uh, I'm not going to put him in my bus list because that's boring, but I think his mid-60s average is it, – he's not going to be relied upon as much this year. That drops. Yeah. Um, Brent Naden, sneaky good signing in real life alongside Burns. They've actually got a sneaky good couple of centers there. Yeah, Burns' hamstrings hold up. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, Look, Adokar likely not average as much there. So, oh, look, I think there's some decent CTW options to be had there, and it's certainly in favourable matchups once Burton gets humming. That's not a bad side. Yeah, they're much improved, obviously. Um, Matt Dufty, it's it's weird that, that he's probably going to be a bench player in most drafts. It, I've actually got him in the bottom end of my 10, and it is – I'm going to talk about a strategy later around fullbacks – his his draw is pretty favourable for most of the year. I had a really close look at him, um, you know, in that range of, you know, your, your Reese Walsh's, your Will Kennedy's, your Jaden Campbell's, Sloan, all those. There are some matchups where I feel like if the Bulldogs are as good as advertised, he's a shot at 100 a lot of times this season. Yeah, I like the call. I like the call. He's a good player. So I'll cover it a bit more with you. Um, and then the other, I think for me, that's really that side. But uh, look, Jake Avarillo, do you think he's going to look good beside Burton? And do you think he'll be the, the number seven? I think he's a seven, whether he looks good. I don't think – I'm not a huge Jake Avarillo fan. I don't think he's that good, but I think he'll be the seven. He showed enough last year to be the seven, I, I would say. Don't mind him as a bit of a flyer if the Bulldogs get off to a start with those good matchups. I think he's a, a, a decent flyer at best. But, um, yeah, a guy you can always draft and then drop if you need to. Um, On to another side that I really like the look of this year in terms of a a chance to to bounce into the top eight is the Sharks. Um, We've mentioned Nico Hines. Um, I'll just jump straight into him and say, I think anywhere from sort of mid, I want to say end of two onwards, because he's dual eligible, fullback, halfback is a very rare thing. I feel like floor is not a problem for him. And I think the Sharks are probably set up to be a little more exciting in attack this year. Could you get excited about him anywhere from sort of two, Simon? Yeah, like like we touched on before. Yeah, he's um he's he, he's looked good. And I think, as you said, the base will be there for him. I um I wouldn't. I don't think he should slip out of two. I really don't. He's when you're looking at the the type of players that are around there. I think he's um he's going to be good enough despite the, the change of position in real life. I think so too. I, it'd be any of those elite fullback guys that, you know, grab in the first four picks. I think he's a pretty decent one on the way back. Um, so in terms of fantasy relevance in the rest of the side, um, do we think Ikevalu is going to uh, get the spot ahead of Sione? Ooh, um, I th- would say Ikevalu's a decent chance of playing center, I think. Mm. Um, whether he pushes out Tracy or not, I don't know, but uh, it's a weird one. It, it's such an unusual signing because they don't really need him. 
to be honest. It is an odd one, and he's a specialist winger. I don't really understand why. Yeah, it when you've already got Sioni and Militalo, like that's a very strange signing. Um, I guess they're just building some depth considering all the concussion and and COVID risk. Um, I I've got those like those just those CTWs interest me in the right matchups is why I brought them up. I'm not going to go into depth about you know they're obviously later round picks, but decent options. Um, Will Kennedy to repeat, Todd? Yes or no? Yes, I'm a big Kennedy fan. We've discussed this off air. I'm mm. huge on Kennedy. I think he's so good. I think he's mm. real crafty. I think he's got Nico will really use him there too. Mm-hmm. And he showed last year he could do a lot of good things on the ball. So I'm a big fan. So a good value at the bottom of the top 10 in the fullback. Yeah, rank. so he's just just snuck into my 10. So, yeah, definitely good value there, I think. Get him late. Yeah. Yep. He's my number like seven it. fullback. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. aggressive. I like that. Yeah. I think him and Nico will be really good. Uh, they've both got that ball-playing ability, and you could see it in the All-Stars last night. Um, I feel like the wet weather definitely um, maybe tempered it a little bit, but they're just going to—they're really elite passing players, Nico and, um, and Kennedy. Ken, uh, Nico doesn't often take the wrong, wrong option. Uh, and neither does Kennedy. So I think Kennedy will get a lot of, lot of assists this year. Yeah, that's that's a good call, mate. So we're, I think all three of us are high on him. Then I think he's a really good one. If you didn't get one of those elite fullbacks, you could do a lot worse. Um, again, I'll talk about a strategy later, just given how deep fullback is. Um, on top of that, any other interests? So your forwards, Del Finucane is is probably going to slot into the front row. He's, he's actually been about a 60 average at, at times in the past, very sort of plottish style. Your second FRF option. So is that is he, Finucan? Is Finucan, so Finucan didn't get eligibility, did he? He only actually kept two RF. Is that correct? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ranked Dale Finucan. Um, if he because if he's playing front row, I don't really have any interest. Um, mm. Toddy, did you have anything on that? Uh, not on Finucan. I don't. Uh, he is definitely not front row eligible. Just looking here, boys. So yeah, just two RF. Yeah, which is I a bit think two RF. You're not really excited about it, are you? Yeah. So the other two there. So Britton Nakora. Uh, look, with a better team around him, he he is a very good real life player. Is he a guy that could push on this year? I've got him pushing on. I have. I saw him last night. I think he's looked a bit. He looked a bit bigger last night too. I've always liked how Britton Nakora runs his lines. I think he runs really good lines, and I think with Nico Hines there can really sort of get him into some holes. He looked good last night, so I'm I'm a big fan of Nakora. Nice mate. He like he when he had good service from Sean Johnson a few years ago. Um, yeah. Those two linked up, and he looked lethal. Uh, Simo, I feel like you're going to be on board with this one. Uh, yeah, Nico. <laughs> Uh, Nico de Nicora, I could imagine that happening quite a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, he just—he was a standout for the Indigenous side, uh, for the uh, Maori side last night. Yeah, um, he looked really good. So, like him as a as a third to RF. I do too. Um, and then obviously the big name that's on this list, Cam McInnes, uh, yeah, the big, big the boys. big move across. He's thirteen. He'll play. He'll play pretty big minutes. He'll even most likely rotate in to give uh, Braley a spell at hooker. Uh, at stages. So we're looking at a man who we know he could do the minutes tackle machine. How early do you think you need to, to, to pony up a draft pick to grab him, mate? Toddy? Jeez. I don't know. I think he's going to be off the board pretty early with the duel. Um, I'm thinking probably late two, early three is where he's going to go. That's my thinking. Ooh, a bit rich for my blood. You personally. Reckon? 
Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I don't think he's going to, you know, smash you. I just think value over other options there. Like, McInnes, I think I heard, Simon, you said earlier, you'd be starting to look at your CTWs potentially, uh, you know, your elite CTWs over him. Is that about Is that about right? Yeah. I, I would say, like, if you're looking at the end, at round two, we kind of mm. talked, the guys we talked about was, like, Ponga, mm. um, Jerome Hughes, um, you've obviously got some of the second rowers that are going to come into their Maddo style. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if kind of round, round two, pick five. So round 15th overall through to 21st overall are kind of looking at them. Yeah, I think maybe, Todd, you did say, mate, I think I'm a bit, bit harsher on you there. You did say <laughs> sort of start of, I wouldn't be taking him in two, but if you've still got a, you've seen him there at your start of your round three and you don't have a hooker yet, so obviously not the grant owner. Um, if you want to play him as your hooker, I, I don't. Certainly, that would be the intent. You don't draft him as a two RF. That's just a luxury. Um, I don't mind him at the start of three. That's reasonable. Fair, fair. He's gonna man. He's gonna tackle so much. What, what is you... the average? Oh, gee, seventy. Oh, seventy-two, seventy-three, somewhere around there. I think he gets up there. That's pretty good. If you yeah, get a 73 average, then that's a round three pick. I don't mind that. Yeah, I, I think he gets up to that 70. Yeah. Simo, you don't agree? Oh, I was just going to say, like, if he's averaging 70, I feel like you'd be mad not to take him in round two. Like, a 70 average McInnes, we were taking him late round one the year before when he, the year before he did his ACL. So if, if you think he's going to get to the 70 average, I feel like with that duel that he has, He's well worth that that pick. He's actually really good value there if that's what he's going to be. Yeah, it's um, where I, I don't think he'll average that high. I think he's a little little less than that. But that 65 to 70 range puts him comfortably as a starter round three pick for me. I think the big discussion is him versus Cook because, um, you know, Damien Cook had a down year last year, 66 average. If you're thinking best possible scenario, um, you know, Cook's got the upside to be you know, a, a top, what, top four pick in, in years gone by, whereas McKinnis probably, even in his best year, he's a late first rounder, early second rounder. Um, it's, yeah, I feel as though there's a big discrepancy over people who have McKinnis and Cook, over who you'd rather have. I would rather Brandon Smith later all day and every day of the week, and it's not even close. I would rather Brandon Smith in, let's just say, round four onwards, probably even later. Not even close in terms of value, because I think the upside Brandon Smith will tend him somewhere near McInnes, and I've got Smith having huge minutes in that storm side. I love Smith as a lot. Big fan. Yeah. All right. Uh, any Anything else there for the Sharks? No, that's about it. Um, yeah, happy to move on. All right. What I think is quite an exciting Titans side now that we've um, we've got those shifts. So Jaden Campbell coming in as a fullback. I am a massive fan, both real life and super coach, if the boy can stay fit. I think there is in 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 favourable matchups, especially there is upside to be had from him. Um, are either of you keen? Oh, look, I think there's reports that he's bulked up a little bit, but as a as a super coach, I, I'm not. I'm not jumping at opportunity. I think there are better options at fullback, but I do like the player sort of real life. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm like Toddy. I'm not 
that keen to get on him. He's he's going to have boom games and he's going to have single digit games. He's just that style of player and he's really small, so he'll be good in a few years. But um, I mean, I'm not saying he's not good now, but it's going to take a while for that super coach output to match up with the talent. I think. I think as we saw from his stats last year, this is a good one. This is the first time I'm, I'm strongly in disagreement. I think there is, as I said, there's going to be a strategy I'll talk about with fullbacks. Just he, He's part of that platoon uh, platoon strategy I'll mention at, at fullback. And I think um, with with the structure of that side now, I just think the ball is going to be here, here Jaden, do your thing, mate, near the line. And I, I just like what he offers. Um, AJ Brimson as a 5'8". Uh, I think you both probably know who what I think of that. And it is not positive. <laughs> Don't rate it. Don't think he is. Look, I, I'll just throw out there. He's a bust for me because I know he's going to get overdrafted. Um, any interest in him, Simo? Um, in terms of interest, like, compared to what you just said, I do. But in terms of the average punter, probably no. Like, I, I'd be a bit more optimistic than you are. I feel like. He's still a good player, and he's going to get his hands on the ball enough that he'll still be all right. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm targeting him in drafts or anything like that, but um, I, I can't see the bottom like completely falling out um, unless he obviously gets injured. But uh, I think Sexton's going to run the show there, so I can see Brimson being a mini Jack Whiten and just get a few support play tries and stuff like that. Yeah, more of a mid-50s average type of guy. So it means you'll get overdrafted. That's a good – I actually like that comparison, Simo, except Brimson, you're going to have to pony up because of the name and he's a rep player and what have you. People are still going to be spending, what, I reckon like a five or a six on him, I would say. Yeah, that, that's madness, honestly. Like I'd, It is. I, I really don't see how anyone could spend that pick on Brimson moving to 5'8", based on – because it's not even like he had a good average last year. Like He, he was exactly. a massive bust at fullback. So I, I feel like he's going to go – much later when it's all said and done. I just okay. don't see him going there. I, just, I, I went with Nate. Look, if, if he does go more, you know, around the 10 mark, then that's probably okay to round out your side. He is dual eligible. Um, he just doesn't get involved enough for mine. I watched him live as a fullback a couple of times last year, and he just, just doesn't doesn't inject himself. Um, whereas I think, like, for example, Jaden will at least attempt to put his mark on the games more consistently. So like that move in terms for, for Jaden anyway. Um any other interest in this side? Mo Mo Fodawaka, I feel like his he is a guy. His overall average is less than it will be this year. I've I've moved him well up in my rankings. I think he's an absolute beast. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, mate. I think Mo Fodawaka has the legs to go a little bit longer on the field too. I think they need to play him a bit more. Well, they've got no Peachy this year to, to move Tino about. Tino will finally play the position he should do, which is lock. Um, and you've only got Isaac Liu as a potential starter with like your Wallace and your Lasonos there. I think Mo Fodwake is finally going to get the minutes he deserves. And I'm really bullish on him as a top 10 FRF. It's good chat. Yeah, I'm with you too, mate. I'm going to check my ranks now. I think I've got him. Is he top five? No, he's sixth. But like that's, that's speaking volumes for where I think he's. He's headed as well. Um, good young player. He's been in the league a couple of years, Queensland player now, and he's only 21, 20, yeah. 20 21. So, Rep player, yeah. 
He, yeah. He's an easy one, and I think if you're in leagues that are just sleeping on the fact, again, his average wasn't outstanding year-long because he got he didn't get the minutes for a big chunk there um, with, with Tino as a forward. Um, he's a great one, and I, I'd comfortably – I'd love to see him as my first FRF, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, then the other – look, the absolute beast that is David Fafita, we've already spoken about enough. So just, yeah, it's certainly a round one, but a start of two sort of pick. Um the hooker situation is probably one to avoid. Um, I want to believe in Aaron Clark, but again, watching him last night, I mean, no, thank you. Nope. No. Don't do no, it. No, thanks. Uh, premium CTW option is one of my absolute, I just think this guy real life is an absolute weapon. Um, Brian Kelly, I've got him around about my top 10 as always. I think he, he's a fantastic player. Yeah, really good. Same with Corey Thompson. He's um, Agreed. He's a much better super coach player than people give him credit for. Yeah, he and is. Before he got injured last year, he was on a tear. So yep. I think both of those Titans outside backs are looking good. Um, I'm keen to see your thoughts on um, on Sexton, uh, second year out. Well, essentially second year, but he, didn't play, he only played four games last year. Um, what, do you, what do you make of the kid? I've got him just outside my top 10 rankings, but gi- given that there's a lot of dual-eligible guys like Nico, um, Kiri, Sean Johnson, I've got ahead of him. Um, I've got him ranked, what is it, 11th here? Um, so just outside the top 10, maybe sneaks in the bottom. I think it's fine to expect that he will be a, a decent super coach player um, and there'll be some weeks of upside. It's just, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't have the confidence yet to take him over those more established guys. And I have a feeling that Sean Johnson is going to be, a, you know, for example, I'd go for him first because I think the Warriors will throw the ball around. So yeah. that's where I've kind of got him. Um, are you guys similar? Um, you go, Toddy. Um, uh, I'm actually a little bit higher on Sexton. I've actually got him down here as one of my breakouts. So hey. one, of, one of my breakouts is Mr. Toby Sexton. I think he looked really good last year, really calm for such a young dude. And I just think this is a good forward pack. I think if he, this forward pack's going to go forward and he gets some good ball, I think he can easily, or not easily, I think he can definitely sort of really be biting at the heels of Sean Johnson, that Mitch Moses sort of bracket and break mm. out into that area. Okay, so you've got him around a potential 60 average plus there. Yeah, I do. I really do. I think he's going to kick okay. a lot because Brimson, I mean, he's not a, he doesn't really have a boot. Well, I haven't seen his boot. Um, <laughs> get this man a boot. I mean, get, get me a 5'8". Um, and, yeah, I just think that our Sexton, yeah, I think he's going to have a breakout there. So it's one of my breakouts this year, boys. Good yeah, call. fair enough. So, like so we've got... Brimson as a as a potential bust from from myself. You've gone uh, and and Mo Fodawaker, we agree is a bit of a breakout, and then we've also got Sexton. So and I, I'm also bullish on Campbell. So it's fair to say this is a fairly exciting side to watch Supercoach wise this year. Um, on top of that, Tino did not deliver on his draft uh, capital last year. I've got a feeling that is going to go all right. Yeah. Just because of the captaincy, you think? I, I just think he, he's in the right position now where he can actually do a bit of link play and stuff and get into the offloads. I think he is uh, someone that I wouldn't mind sort of to anchor the FRF sort of in, you know, hopefully round six onwards. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those um, middle ranked two RFs, kind of, yeah, um, depending on your ranks, but about six through to 15th are going to go kind of through that range of round six to round nine, even round 10. Agreed. All right. So moving on to the next side, we have the Sea Eagles. So we know there that Tommy Turbo, first overall, easy done. 
moving on, relevant players. Ruben Garrick, we've discussed as a CTW that I think, you know, with Turbo being fit, he'll probably, he's going to average somewhere 65 plus. I hate to say it out loud. Not a big fan of him, but <laughs> it's just, it's going to happen if Tur- Turbo is fit. Um, just don't, whatever you do, don't go and uh, spend any more than, you know, an early fourth pick, please. Um, DCE we've discussed as in terms of a late one start of two. Um, I think the player of interest here for me is Olakatu. Yeah. What are we, how early? Todd? Oh, don't know about how early, but I do think he has got everything you need to be a very good... Uh, he reminds me of um, Satili Tupanua, that type of yeah. player, that big rangy sort of strong ball runner. Yeah, I, I do like him. How early you take him, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I've got him around that rank, actually, funnily enough, because he's very similar to Kikau's, your Satili, your Olakatu, that, that type of guy. Um, he's a really good one for me as like a second to RF that I think is, if you look at his overall season average, it's it's going to be better than that this year. Um, Simo, on board? Yeah, I think I think he's going to go in that somewhere around 50th overall, uh, so round five, round six type of range. Uh, if you're getting him later than that, exceptional value. The other one I just uh, – look, not a lot movement in this Seagulls team. So I think, you know, to power's your typical, um, you know, round five-ish onwards FRF who can average 60-ish. Um, so decent option with a bit of upside. Josh Schuster with the injury. I love the idea of Josh Schuster being my starting 5'8 to be had, you know, more around that round five-ish level. This, you know, syndesmosis uh, four- to eight-week injury. We're not sure of the severity. Where, how far does he drop? Simo? Yeah, um, I mean, Helen's a piece of string, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's a pretty big blow. Um, obviously, better happening now than one week into the season. Um, yeah, syndesmosis injury. If he, if he misses, what's the report? Did you say how many weeks? Just say six. Four say eight. six. It was, a, it was a pretty rough one. Um, so I just went four to eight, you know, good or yeah. bad outcome. Because um, he, he's a beast. What a great real-life player. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see how you could draft him um, before maybe round five, six, where you said, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, he probably um, drops to a six and seven, because if it is the full six to eight weeks, that's a big chunk for a guy. He's probably not going to win you weeks, but he's going to be a real solid option at your five eight. So not a bad one. That's um, the thing. Like, he was, yeah, like you say, he... He was a solid 60 averaging player um, with, you know, good ball skills and stuff with the, the occasional game where he'd, where he'd set up a try or something and push him up into that 75 to 80. Um, yeah, that consistency was what you wanted. But if he's coming back underdone, does he miss out on some base? Who knows? And then there is the wonderful Gerbo who just keeps falling year by year as we all oh, realise that, you, mate, you just don't get fantasy points for passing before the line. Just ask <laughs> James Graham. Yeah. It's hard to see, actually. I'm going to admit. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. Just let him let him slip down to wherever Josh Jackson is in drafts and then grab him there. Um, no, thank what, you. What's your take on Saab, boys? Um, no. Matchup. He is a matchup-dependent play. Not keen? No. no. You I'm just you. Have him, if you can afford to stash him on your bench coming into a good, uh, you know, into the season, but finding the right matchup. I was plug and playing him last year and he, he, he actually consistently scores against the, the worst sides, but against the good teams, enjoy that sub 10 score. Yeah, it's fair shout. 
Uh, look, onto the Storm, um, also quite a settled side with obviously the, uh, the the major change there being Finucane, um leaving from real life perspective and Brandon Smith going in. So I want to say I've actually got Brandon Smith very aggressively ranked in the hooker ranks. I've actually got him above Damian Cook and McInnes. I want that upside in my hooker. And I think the fact you can get Brandon Smith probably a decent chunk later than those two. I think if you're getting him at the start of round four-ish, phenomenal value. Plug him in your hooker every week and watch the kids score tries. Sub out for uh, Grant as well. Um, the minutes are going to be there across those positions. I'm I'm so hype on this guy. I think he's fantastic. Well, it's um, that's a big thing to hear you say. Like I think, given the reports of obviously him moving on and a bit of unrest with Bellamy, it, it obviously doesn't doesn't deter you at all. No, a bit like buying into that stuff preseason. When it comes to winning games, that tandem of Grant and and uh, Brandon Smith, when they were humming along and just interchanging um, at, at rake, that was incredible to watch. And Bellamy's he's just a great coach. He he'll do whatever he can to get his side a win. So sure, if you take him and and he end up, um, you know, he he gets more of a bench role, then so be it. But the fact you could get him. Uh, you're risking what a round four, round five draft pick to to like take that chance on a guy who could be easily like not easily could end up being the second best overall hooker. Uh, I just I love that. I love that value. Love taking that chance. Yeah, you're right. It is great value. Yeah, the fa- the value is there. That's that's the thing. The value is there for B Smith. Um, look, I think he's gonna have a good year, and he'll definitely score some meat pies. So yeah, I'm I'm alright with that sort of fourth round value, fifth round value there. All right, we've already spoken about some of the other bigger names. So, you know, Pappen, we know. Uh, Jerome Hughes, anywhere in sort of two onwards. Uh, Grant, we know as well. Christian Welsh, bit of a breakout super coach here. Um, I like him again for around about somewhere approaching a 60 average. Um, obviously, come back from injury, maybe a little slow start, but, like, he, he gets it done. He does get it done. And there is um, minutes to be had in the Storm pack. I just think yeah. they're getting a bit light. Their bench is not what it was. Obviously, no Kamikamika. NASA's not there. Yep. You know, you said, as you said, they've lost Kanuk and, you know, the, both the Bromwiches are out the door at the end of the year. So um, it's really Christian Welsh's time to be the, the big swinger um, in the pack. So, agreed. Yeah, I really like him. He's, um, yeah, he, he loves an injury. That's the only problem the whole, that, that would kind of have you a bit iffy on him. But he's a great value pick if you can get him you know, middle of your draft round, I think late round five, early round six, somewhere in there. I've got him pretty aggressively ranked, mate. Like I think I got him in the top 15. I think he's, I I love watching him play. He's got a sneaky offload in him as well. Um, So yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I guess for the rest of the side here, that that's probably it for the the storm. Um, obviously the CTW options any given week, uh, Justin Olin proved he's one of the highest floor CTWs. You, boy, you love him as a real, real life player. Real life, man. I oh, would not want to run weapon. into that man. He is... Weapon. Boy, he hits. <laughs> oh, boy. Even on like, even when he's got the ball, he just makes you yeah, look silly. Boy, howdy, that would hurt. He's, <sighs> he's a great player. Absolutely great player. So, yeah, I'm on board with him as well. And I think he's, he's just a good mid-round draft pick as well. I think he'll actually be quite fine in that position. Um Xavier Coates, there'll be tries. Uh, there'll also still be your lowish, lower floor games. So he's a he's a matchup play for mine that will pay off a lot of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Which side of the field he plays on doesn't really matter. The tries will be there regardless. 
Exactly. Um, all right, that's really the storm for mine. Uh, moving on to the Warriors. <laughs> Look, Yay! It's Yay, not a stellar back. <laughs> Toddy, for those uh, listeners, don't hold it against us, but we have got a Kiwi involved. We thought we'd get someone from across the Dutch. <laughs> and diversity. Uh, yep, and he, he loves his, loves his uh, rugby as well, so we also won't hold that against him. But um, you've got uh, Reese Walsh apparently already, uh, you know, he, he's not feeling settled. Um, <laughs> see that one coming from a mile away. Has has bloody lunch with uh, <laughs> with old Uncle Wayne, and uh, now wants to go to the Dolphins. What a surprise! Yeah, surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, Reese Walsh is a guy that should be really good for Supercoach in this team because he's like the big fish kind of thing. With Sean Johnson sort of steering the ship as well, I like he should be good, but you can't be excited about him now, hearing all this noise, right, Simo? Yeah. Oh, mate, we passed it over to the Kiwi. You've got plenty to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm not it's excited true. about Reese Walsh. I just, oh, he just frustrates me. I think he's going he's gonna to have the games where he goes bang buster and he's just going to mm. be really good and everyone will love him. But then I just don't see the Warriors being very good. So I don't see a lot of points being scored in that back line. I do. I think there's points are plenty in this oh, side. I think they've them. actually... No, well, yeah, no, there will be that too. Trust me. I think the Warriors could be back to this very entertaining style, to be honest, with the side they've got there, like that I assume will play. When you've got essentially a centre going to be playing in the back row, at least for a big chunk of the year, you and Aitken. Um, Wayne Egan loves to dart and go and fling the thing around. Um, Lodge and Fanua Blake probably up front. And Cody Nicarima and Sean Johnson, if that is exactly the halves they go with, that is an exciting combo. They're going to fling the rock in all directions. I don't know, mate. I, I thought Nickarim would be better suited as a 14, but... Uh, as long Lord as it's knows. not Ash Taylor, you'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CHT doesn't offer much for Supercoach, unfortunately. He's a bit of a, a, a bit of a plotter in that sense. Um, do we think, like, Harris DeVita, can he hit any upside, or is it just all Sean Johnson? I think it's all SJ. I think most of it runs through SJ. Yeah. yeah I think so. Look, we love a bit of Fanua Blake um, in terms of just he is a beast. Injury risk is incredibly high, but he's always a shot averaging 60 if he has a great season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with uh, that. Ewan Aiken uh, playing in the back row, and you, he's obviously CTW eligible. CTW that usually eligible. gets people so excited. I look back to uh, Matt Gillett from many years ago, uh, walking me to a fantasy <laughs> fantasy title on the back of a 70 average there. Thank you, mate. You um, and Aitken, do we like what we see there, Totter? I did like what I saw from you and Aitken in the back row last year. But mm-hmm. I do – I think we, you're going to have to draft him mm-hmm. and you're going to play him in your CT dubs. So Absolutely. So to get the value for him, you're going to have to play him in your CT dubs, but you're going to have to draft him too high for mine. So okay. yeah, I just think he's your price is going to be too high, even though he's going to be a good C, like a probably a top ten CT dub, top fifteen CT dub. Top fifteen, yeah, I've yeah. got him in my top fifteen for that yeah. reason. The base, the base should be there because that's an eighty minute role, Simo. I'd imagine. Yeah, I think it would be an eighty minute role. You've you've got a fair while till Tohu Harris comes back. So if mm. they've been training with Aiken, they're all off season. They're obviously playing on playing in big minutes there. So. Um, yeah, I think what Toddy says is pretty bang on that he's going to be highly coveted in the draft. So if you, I, if you want to own him, you're going to have to pony up. I agree. I, I like him as well. I think I think he's 
actually a good real life player apart from he defensively has been found out as a center. So I'm just curious how that translates to an edge. But anyway, move, moving on. Um, Tohu Harris. He is an absolute weapon at this game when he's fully fit. We know he's badly injured. He's going to come back. Can you do the stash in this season? Is it possible to do the stash given the COVID situation, given the, the HIA situation? I think it's too hard to do surely. Um, Simo, you're you're an expert at it, mate. You love a stash. Can you do it with yeah, Tohu? I was going to say I'm I'm always big on the on the stash on the injured guy, but um, actually, funnily enough, I'm pretty sure I've done it with Tohu Harris before back when he was at the Storm. Mm. But mm. Um, I'm not feeling it with him this year, to be honest. Um, I'm really not feeling the stash is on with him. Um, I'm not, I can't really tell you why. It's just a gut, go with the gut okay. feel. Um, He's someone that probably still needs to go in the top six rounds, despite the really? fact of his injury. Um, wow, that's a gun. Geez, so you because he's he's out for at least what ten plus, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like I'm not I'm not drafting him there, but but based on what he is, like, so he should um, be drafted. Like you think because he's these pedigree is that good. Like you, someone in ten team leagues, he's going to go in the first ten rounds. You reckon? I think so, yeah. I think he'd be oh. gone in the first 10 rounds at some point. Yeah, fair enough. So someone's going to – so what you're saying is there's in every league, someone is going to get excited about the stash. I just have my – I have extreme doubts that you're going to be able to make that work given just the, the rate of attrition we're going to see this year. I, I think people are going to be injured. You know, I don't know. We don't. None of us know how COVID's going to go. So a really tricky one to pull off. Um, do you reckon you'll be stashing this year, Todd? No, I wouldn't be stashing Tohu this year, no. And I don't think I'll be stashing at all. I think you're going to need all four bench spots. Yeah, I do too. And consider like, a Dewey with his Masters average last year will stand out to players as well. They're both sort of long, long-term long injury guys. Like, Schuster's fine, obviously. But, yeah. but Dewey and Tohu, mate, I just don't think you're going to be able to carry him. But anyway. Uh, and the other one, just to finish off that Warriors side, Josh Curran. Is a lot to like there from Supercoach perspective. 80 minutes on an edge more than likely. Um, is he someone we have near our top 10 uh, 2RF rankings? He's lost a lot of weight. He looks good. Um, he's he's thereabouts for me. Um, mm. I think he's borderline, borderline 10. Um, I think I'm more concerned if he plays lock. Yeah. Uh, how, how much? So that affect his scores. We don't want lock. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. That'll because Tavanga will just steal minutes there off whoever plays lock. I, I really want to see him on an edge for 80. I've got him right on the the, the edge of the top 10. Um, Todza, you? Yeah, I like Josh Curran. I just don't know if he's going to get the 80. They've got Ben Murdoch muscle there. They loved playing on the edge last year. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bailey Sirinan, do you like him? Not really. Is he a 13? No. Not really. I think I can see Curran doing a lot of work at 13. Um, just just starting it. I honestly think that he's going to start at 13. I think Curran looks – he profiles more as a 13. Like he's got a little bit of little bit of hands and he's that sort of player. Um, he will, and I don't like him as much. If I find out that he is uh, leading into the draft, going to be named in that 13, I'd be fading him down more to the bottom of the 20, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, but I do think Sean Johnson is one for me, guys. I, I'm I'm on board, I, I, and and this may surprise you because listeners of the potty will know I used to just rip on him because I know he'll get injured, but the draft pick you'll have to get him at this year is a lot lower, and 
just play him when he's fit. He's a chance of going off for 100 in good matchups, and then obviously you just have to carry him when he's injured. Yeah, tough. I mean, it's there. It's not flash. I'd have, uh, he's burnt me so much, boys. He's burnt me so much. But that'd be yeah. an early round pick, mate. He's he's not going. He's not going early this year. Like what uh, round seven onwards? That sort yeah, of range. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I'm looking at where I've got him ranked. I don't know. There's a couple. Maybe. Uh, yeah. No, you're probably right. You are probably right. Yeah, he's still yeah, got the hundred upside. No one's taking that away from him. Um, look, an Achilles injury. I, I, I will take it away yeah. from him. You will. I will take it away from him. I don't think he has the hundred upside anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's gone. He's lost the explosiveness. He doesn't. He doesn't run the ball like he used to. Um, okay. For him to get a hundred, he he honestly he gets it all through. He'd have to set up four tries and get a couple of forced dropouts and conversions. Like he's he's almost getting in nothing running the ball. He's um. Wow. He's just yeah. I I like him at yep. value um, yep. as a as a startable type player, but. Um, you just have to remember that, yeah, he, he's on the down downside of his career. So, okay, um, he's solid for me. He's a solid player, but he's not an upside player anymore. Okay, so the yeah Achilles injuries for those who aren't aware, they're usually an absolute killer of a speed athlete's career. Um, and he obviously that's what Sean Johnson cops. So, Simo, you know, there's there's certainly some evidence there that that he has. Um. I just want to believe the Warriors are going to fling the pill about and they're going to concede so many points. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> Especially, like, just, you know, stuck away from home again. Um, credit to them. I think it's amazing that they're having another go at that. Um, but, yeah, wow. Interesting to see where Johnson goes and how he performs. All right. Uh, look, as a Warriors fan, Toddy, do you think there's any shot of a top eight? No. Well, that's a that's... really good segue. Absolutely. Into my team, the Knights, mate, <laughs> who I also think have very little chance of making a top eight. Um, when you see that we're looking at either Phoenix Crossland or Adam Clune, um, if Milford could arrive and actually get cleared, at least that is also something to be disappointed about. <laughs> um, look, I'm not, I'm not liking the look of this side. Um, to buy a marquee centre in Dane Gagai, who, look, where. Let, look, we are the BDE, or the best uh, draft experts. Everyone knows Dango Guy's not sc- averaging as much as he did last year. Like, no. not a chance. Not even not close. a chance. No. Um, and given how he went last time when he was at the Knights, I find it especially surprising we've got him. Uh, I don't really understand that signing. But anyway, he's there, and hopefully he's trying his heart out like he's playing for Queensland like he did for South. So anyway, Kalen Ponga... Uh, look, I've heard you said even potentially late too, Simon. It's really just the lack of Pierce to connect with. It, it's they're just going to throw the ball to him, and teams will key they'll key in on him. He's not going to be able to hit the upside against the good sides. Yeah, that's right. He has, and, and without the goal kicking as well, is just another thing to go off with Ponga. He's he's somebody that um, I, I settle I would settle for, but I'm not excited about. If you know what I mean, he's. Mm. Uh, like him versus Gutherson is, is the fact that that's a discussion. Um, yeah, kind of tells you what I think of where Ponga's at. Value of Ponga if you're taking him at the turn, for example, because I, you know, in the past he'd be an absolute lock if you were if you got to you know pick eight onwards and he's still sitting there. You're thinking, you beauty, seventy plus average upside, what a beast, phenomenal real life player. But 
it's just the team structure. It sort of caps him, doesn't it? Like, I think a great season for him in that team is 70. And against your Storms and your your, your Roosters and stuff, he's a red-hot chance of a sub-40 out of your rounds, you know, high-round draft pick. So I'm really like, back end of two, I think, is reasonable. Um, if you're the Grant drafter, for example, early, that's okay. Uh, Todd's uh, given you R3 and likely taking Grant, I would say. Um, are you someone that would be interested in Ponga? Oh, look, if Pong is there at the end of two, he's definitely going to be thought about. It's not fun, though. I don't see him scoring very well in this team. And I just don't know if I could pull the trigger on draft day to to take him there. I think you're getting better, safer options elsewhere. Yeah, agreed. And then it kills, like, Bradman Best is someone I, I love watching him play, but injury risk and obviously not in a side that's going to be able to attack as much. Definitely fade him a lot more than last year, where he was uh, also a fair bit of a bust. Um Mitch Barnett, is there talk again he's going to miss out on being the starting lock for feckin' Kurt Mann somehow? Man, what what, what yeah. on earth would possess a coach somehow. to do that? What am I missing? I don't know. Mitch really Barnett don't. is an absolutely yeah. fantastic real-life coach player. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it here first, folks. Simo's written him off, and I can't necessarily disagree, mate. Like Mitch Barnett, if you could see getting 80 minutes as a locker of there or thereabouts. He's a fantastic super coach player. Yep, I agree. Oh, brilliant. Um, and you got Tyson Frizzell. He's your, he, he's not going anywhere. He'll average somewhere between 55 and 65, I would say, just with the work rate. Um, and Chris Randall, can we sneak him into the top 10 hooker ranks? No. Not for mine. No? Not for mine. Because I have Barnett playing at, at lock, because mm. I think he's a better lock, I think man takes quite a few minutes off Randall. I don't okay. see Randall hitting huge upside. He won't. He's just a tackle machine. That's yeah. going to be his role in that side. And I think yeah. Knights are going to have to do a lot of tackling. So I've got him at the back end of the top 10. Yeah, he's going to be a very uninspiring hooker option, I think. Agreed. Um, all right. That's really, in terms of relevant players for mine. Um, oh, Daniel Saifidi, guys, I should mention. Um, definitely a really one of your premium front rowers in terms of work rate. Doesn't have monstrous upside regularly, but he'll do you, you know, a solid 55 to 65 depending on the season. So not a bad option as well for mine. Uh, moving on to another side that is tipped to struggle in the Cowboys. Uh, I That is just not a side that you're very scared of. No. Um, oh, Chad Townsend, big bunny. <laughs> <laughs> have a go, Simo. <laughs> Try and sum it up for us. Oh, I think you just did. Chad Townsend, big money. Like, <laughs> what? What? What's happened there? What? What has Chad done? I mean, respect to Chad. He's won a premiership with the Sharks, but I just I don't understand it. Um, you've already got goal kickers. Chad's not even like a gun goal kicker. I just, what's happening with this side? Let's just quickly uh, go through the 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 relevant options. So. Val Holmes as a centre, you can absolutely pass on that. I hope that that is false and he's going to play on a wing. Um, because if he's a centre, oh. you drop him way down. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty brutal to watch, actually. Like, I just don't understand it. I, I really don't. He's, he's a great winger. Why would you play him at centre? He's a world-class winger. You watch him in Origin, he is like, I know he's got great, better players, but that's because that's his position. He's a finisher. Uh, I just, that's mind-blowing to me. Um, so he's one just to watch, guys. If he's if he's center uh, picked for round one, you, you fade him hard. Don't don't buy into the average. 
Um, the hammer, I actually quite like the hammer as a fullback from super coach perspective. Um, I wouldn't obviously pick him as a starting fullback, but I'll tell you what, as a guy, garbage points still count. He is going to get his little moments of upside sprinkled throughout the season. I can see an argument for him as an okay for CTW. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's going to have upside. Like, he's, his base is not great, but he, you got a try scorer there. I mean, he's not even the best fullback on his team. I mean, Jake Granville. <laughs> <laughs> he's still got a contract. He got, he got the dual eligibility. I love that one so much. Hooker, fullback, and he actually genuinely earned it. Love it. Um, yeah, credit brilliant. to him. He, he did so well having a crack. Uh, look, for me, um, the other name that we need to discuss here um, is, so Reese Robson, can he get more minutes to actually move himself comfortably into that top 10, or is he going to be that annoying hooker to own? Simo? Oh, gee, I hope so. I really hope so. He, he's ready for it. Mm. He's so ready for it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I think he'll mm-hmm. get, Jeez, uh, I'm just trying to think how much Granville will actually eat in. Early season, it might not be great, but it's mm. a long-term game. I think you can draft Reese Robson. And if you know, if Granville's still hanging around after six weeks, then you probably get a bit concerned. But mm. I think in the long-term game of Supercoach this year, Granville eventually will probably drop off the bench. And I think they've got to play Robson 80 minutes. He's He's that good a player. Yeah, and a team devoid of talent, I think he is. The only problem is you've also got Reuben Cotter on the bench who can annoy the hell out of him later in the season as well, who seems to be someone who can, you know, come in to rake. So I'm I'm with you on talent, mate. He just and I just don't necessarily trust the coach's minutes there. Um speaking yeah. of minutes, it's, Tom's I don't a, want, oh, sorry, Simo, go on. I was just gonna say I don't want any part of many cowboys this year. They're just no. it just looks like an absolute shit show. It does. Uh, look, maybe a late flyer for that Lukey um, who could come into a starting spot and get big minutes, uh, just more as a flyer than anything, probably more classic relevant for those listeners. Uh, but big Lolo, mate, like, surely. God, I, I want to use logic. Minutes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Can he be value in drafts given how bad it was last year? You know, he's no longer anywhere near the top few rounds. At what point do you look at Lolo and you say, Geez, he only has to get another five minutes a game, and I've I've got myself a steal here. We're all going to be thinking it. Where do you draft him, Toddy? Really don't know. Ah, uh, jeez, where's he? Where's he? Oh man, he's, it's just that that coach. I'm telling you, he just does not like Lola. I swear, he does my head in, man. Todd Payton, are you namesake? If you're listening, play the man some minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to draft Lolo. I don't even know if I could draft Lolo just because of the minutes and the uncertainty. Mm. Like, mm. Uh, I still think because of the name, you're going to have to pay up a little bit higher than what you really want to. Yeah, I think for round five, people will see the name, won't they? Like, I yeah. don't think see, you should take five, him that high, I don't. But... I'm not taking him around five. I don't want him around five. Uh, I think yeah. that's. I think that's the earliest he can go. I, yeah. I can't see him going before then. Yeah. Like. If you're someone listening out there and you believe in Lolo bouncing back, just have in the back of your mind, just pencil him in for your fifth round pick because you'll probably get him there. If if he goes before then, then it's it's an overpay. Um, well, it's an overpay right now. It's, he'd have to be, go back to what he was for it to pan out. But 
Yeah, I, I feel as though fifth and sixth round, someone's going to believe that he'll be he'll be fine. I'm a little more bullish. I'm going to give just ever so slight increase on on last year. I think he's a chance of going back to like a 60 guy. Um, the, for the reason that he did have the broken hand issue and he did it twice on the same hand, which is just a fluke. I, I just have a feeling that that had to affect him. He just looked a bit underdone at various stages last year. Uh, surely big off season, you, you could be getting value somewhere down there. So he is someone I'd actually be targeting somewhere between five and seven. Um, and, and I just think the option, he's not going to kill you if you draft him somewhere down there, but there is a shot that that tends more towards 65. It's not a bad shout. Not a bad shout, mate. You mean para? I mean, how can you argue? I can't argue with you. It's it's Talmalolo, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good yeah, it's a good strategy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Uh, just don't use it on draft day, please, boys. You didn't hear it from me. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay. No worries. I sound like I, I hear a pencil in the background, but all right, all good. Um, on to Parramatta Eels. Well, Eels fans, if you're listening, um, you know, welcome. Thanks for uh, uh, tuning in. Um, enjoy this success you're potentially going to have this year because I just, for, I don't understand uh, what's happening that you let Reed Marnie go next year. Uh, it's just it, very confusing to me. Uh, but anyway, this side, um, it'll be pretty much the same as last year. The players I just want to quickly run through. Um, Gutho with his absolutely beastly average last year. Like, it, it's hard to fathom, but that guy actually does hit 90-plus a lot more than you think he will. He'll just go in round two, Toddy, I presume. Yeah, yeah same as last year for me with Gutho. He had his big scores. He'll do his thing, and that's safe. It's safe. Yeah, he's not your 120-plus, but geez, he hits a lot of 90s, which is nothing to sneeze at if you've got another good position. Simo, I know you he's a guy you'll avoid pretty much at all costs, but even start of round three, if he was still there, you'd have to be at least considering him. Oh, yeah. If, if he's there for the Cleary or Grant owners, um, yeah. he's he's an easy pick because he's, he's, a, he's almost a tier of his own at fullback. Um, whether you have him Ponga above him or below him, Gutho is so consistent that yeah. you can peg him in there pretty safely. And in a side that is just a lock for the finals as well as they are this year, um, it, it's it's hard to hard to argue against that. Um, Mitch Moses sort of came good back into last year. He'll just sort of sub into that roundabout, you know, what high fifties to low sixties average. Any chance he finally breaks out, or is he going to keep being that just maddeningly inconsistent player? What are your thoughts, Todd? I've got Mitchy Moses just doing the same as as he always has, mate. I don't think I don't think we're going to see a breakout from Mitchy Moses, unfortunately. He's about what he is, isn't he? He's just not yeah. consistent enough. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. Dylan Brown. Um, look, I I put my hand up and say I got that one wrong uh, wrong last year. I I thought he had a chance to really go to that next sort of mid sixties average guy, but he just looked slow last year. Um, now there's a chance that he, if he, if the off seasons work for him and he's got a bit of that zip back, I think he could be an interesting player. But it's a big if, um, Simo. Yeah, yeah, he's um he maintains a good base for a guy that had an off year. So if that was his right. bad year, he's got room to grow. Uh, he's intriguing at the right price, I suppose, for um, a position that's really lacking in depth. But um, I mean, yeah, what you saw last year, it's hard to be overly optimistic. I just feel like the Eels might play the same as they did yeah. last year, so Brown might might not change much. Um, 
Yeah, you he's not someone sides? who I see breaking back. Do you remember the switch of sides that uh, was very well publicised start of the year, and it just looked like it it, it didn't work very well for him. So they they've reverted yeah. back as the season went on. And you make a really good point, Simo. What if that is just a down year, and he threw you know fitness wasn't there or something? He is this guy that I look at and I think, geez, it, it, I could have just gone a year early. There's a chance that in this year with that side that he goes into a sixty plus average, and you're really happy somewhere around like five ish. Yeah, um, probably later. Yeah, probably six or seven. I mean, if I'm getting him in round seven, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's hard to go too much earlier than that after the year he had. He was he was pretty underwhelming last year. Very true, mate. So Reed Marnie, um, many many will have him ranked in the uh, like I think pretty comfortably in the top five, isn't he? Or at least top six. At hooker, he's in my top five, easy. Yeah, yeah, he'd be yeah. minimum top six, I think. If you, you know, want to, depending on what your thoughts are in Coruscant, uh, like how early for Reed Marnie? What do you reckon, Todd? Oh, I think he's a top tier hooker. Um, look, I think if you're looking, if you've got no hooker in sort of late three, you're probably looking at Reed Marnie. Okay. Wow, late three. Too expensive for me. I don't like his value there, and I think, I think his concussion a big risk drop is off. huge. There's a big drop-off to him and Arpy, in my opinion. Okay. Do you have him ahead of Brandon Smith? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Simo, do you have Marnie ahead of Smith? No. No, I think it's... No. I think a majority of people, like, I'd be very shocked to see anyone have him anywhere else. Um, like, sorry, higher than fifth. Um, yes. He's he's one of those ones. It's he's another guy on a tier of his own. It's just true. The kind of the the big four at hooker, and then Marnie, who's going to be the next guy drafted, and he might go a bit higher just because he is that last guy of the tier or of a range. Um, so yeah, I think fifth is kind of where he is, and I feel like where Toddy said is pretty bang on. I think he will go around that thirtieth overall to somewhere between, say, 28th overall through to maybe 35th overall, somewhere in there. Okay. Matto, there was a bit of hype going into last year. Um, obviously, the concussion risk with him is just through the roof, and that does, in my opinion, that affects the draft stock. Um, I, I want to fade him down to at least around three for that reason. If you got a full season out of him, though, and he does get the 80 minutes, which I guess is not a lock these days either, is he someone you see as a bit of value there, Toddy? Uh yeah, so the value-wise, yes. Uh, not someone I'm looking to target, though. Sort of the, the the concussion risk is too much for me. I like a lot of guys around that area that don't have that higher injury risk. Yeah, agreed. So round three-ish is about right, Simo? Yeah, uh, he's a he's a, a turn pick. Um, round two, round three, he's, he's a good two or after target if you're a if you're a early pick round like first overall to fifth overall top five pick you can get him around two or three pretty good pick nice the the other player of uh, big interest there is isaiah papali'i so insane season last year just out of nowhere um obviously the tendency here is to fade him and say that he's just not going to score as many tries probably right however he's still got upside and he's still FRF eligible, as we said. 
Is he someone that you could put around where those Tavita Pangais and Payne Haas, so end of two, start of three? Simo, I feel like you want to fade Papali to a bit later, at least in the third round or start of fourth. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I would I would fade him to well, it's weird if this is considered a fade, but um he's a yeah, he's a late third round pick for me. Um I just as you said, the tries is one thing, but the fact that he's leaving, uh, I just there's a lot of things a lot of times last year Brad Arthur said things about him preferring him in the middle as a middle mm-hmm. type player. Mm-hmm. So uh there's just enough question marks there where I'd I'd knock him back maybe around. So yeah. I think okay. if he was fit and firing and, and there was no questions, he's going round two. But because yep. there is a few questions, I'd I'd knock him down to round three. Just considering you you've also got the very talented Murata Niakore just re-signed as well, um, loitering there. He's suspended round one, but um, he's quite a talent as well. So you're kind of right, Simo. There's a risk there that, especially if it started badly, he could be one of those scapegoated types for minutes. So, yeah, he just as well. I think some people might jump in and draft him a bit too early. Don't don't read the average last year and take that guy at the end of one or start of two. That is definitely not the right answer. All right. Yeah. On to the Panthers. Um, so, look, in terms of draft picks, we've already spoken about Brian Tor, you know, looking at him somewhere right at the end of two or, or round three. Um, Nathan Cleary will go in the top two. Jerome Luai is a very tricky one for me where the upside is there. Um, I'm going to take the lead on this one as a guy that I, I just love watching him play and he's talented. I was talking to Toddy when we were discussing our 5'8 rankings and from the moment he got criticized in the media about being a show pony and, and really hamming it up, his performances just fell away, both real life and um, in, in, in Supercoach. And then he sort of had a bit of a resurgence back end of the year again. I think he could be slightly undervalued based on his average that he ended up on last year. And he's another guy like Dylan Brown, that if you don't only have to pony up something like around six plus, I think he's a pretty decent option there. Um, Simo, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, he's so intriguing for mine. Like, who is the real Jerome Luai? And mm. that's the question you've got to ask yourself. And whatever you decide, you've just got to stick with. Um, there's there's arguments either way. Like you said, he's he's um, he's shown an ability to to perform consistently at the start of the year, but he's also been consistently bad as well as yeah, consistently good. So, um, tricky one. Someone that could present value, like you say. Um, I, I I would prefer him over Dylan Brown personally. I think they'll be yeah, guys will get lumped together. Yeah. But you've you've seen Luai's upside. Yeah. 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 Really interesting one, isn't it? He he's got the the reek of a of a league winner for me. It, like his best season could be incredible. It's very possible. So I, I really – I like the idea of him somewhere in those middle. Um, aside from that, Coruscant, we've sort of seen Mitch Kenny will very likely be on the bench with, um, I believe, Appy moving on end of this season. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, so yeah, he's off to the Tigers. Off to the Tigers, that's right. So uh, for me, Appy's an easy fade, <laughs> um, especially on his draft position last year, but he, he didn't average much last year anyway. He's just not an upside guy, and I hate his value versus, like, I'd rather take a crack on your Reese Robson, Jacob Little type of guys a bit later on. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, jumping in. So, James Fisher-Harris, 
beast, like Ooh. easily bet front rower of the league last two years. Toddy, we love him. Absolute oh, weapon. Boy, howdy. He's a he's a just a he's just got this engine that keeps going. He's so sick. He's actually low-key. He's got that little sprinkle of offload upside and the odd barge over as well. I love him as like a sort of a, a lower round um, first FRF, and he's also dual eligible. Really good player. Um, now, Isaiah Yo dropped off a little bit last year. You're a big fan, Toddy. Do you think he can get back yes. to a 60-plus? Uh, yes, I do. I do think he can get back to a 60-plus. Um, I'm such a big fan of him, but I just don't know... I feel like you're going to have to pay up for his AO because he's in this Panthers outfit again. Average was a bit lower. So he didn't hit the 60 last year, but you're right. Um, that could have just been a little bit of a down year. I'm just curious about the draft stock of Isaiah Yo versus Liam Martin. Now, I just Isaiah Yo won't play 80 minutes. Um, I think that's right, Simo. Yeah. Uh, he'd be very close to. I think you're probably average out about that 70 minutes when it's all said and done. Okay. So does. Kickout doesn't. We know Kickout won't play eighty. So, what minutes is Liam Martin looking at here? As a guy who he's got a big motor, but he's obviously he's brilliant as a bit of an impact player, as we saw in Origin, bloody cannonball of a player. What that that those minutes with those back rowers? I don't know how that's going to play out. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm not. I'm not that certain that Kickout won't play eighty now that Capewell's gone. To be perfectly honest. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I see a scenario where he could play eighty. It's it's still up in the air. Like I'm not, it's not obviously not a lock for it by any means. But um, yeah, they they could change their rotation slightly with their new personnel that they've got now. Yeah, I mean, what I was getting at there is if one of those three play eighty, all of a sudden I'm really quite pumped about him. Liam Martin with eighty, just because he he's a bit of a like he doesn't mind the odd try and he's a bit of a he's a trier obviously. Um, Isaiah Yo with eighty minutes, if that eventuates, he he all of a sudden gets a huge draft bump for mine, just because he's a bit of a base stat beast. So that's a hard. I, I find it very hard to rank those uh, those three. Um, so moving yeah. on, yeah, go on, man. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think you, most to take Isaiah Yo first, buddy. He's um because he because he's got the consistency, whereas the upside's definitely with the um the second rowers. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and just Dylan Edwards with his fitness, um, he's interesting one to a part of a platoon fullback strategy that I will touch on. Um, Rabbitohs, Latrell Mitchell, we've already said is really a lock for that that round one. Um. Alex Johnson and him link up beautifully. So Alex Johnson actually would have been a viable fullback based on his average last year somehow. Absurd <laughs> upside. Scores him. Scores the meat pies, mate. And he's busy. He's just busy. Yeah, he's bloody hell. He scores some tries. Um, <laughs> look, the most, I guess the interest of the guys that we, you know, aren't uh, com- like well-known. Uh, Colin Matangi, great real-life player, averaged about 60. I think he was um, his average from last year ended up being lower than I think it is now. I love him as like a second to RF um, with a bit of upside. Are you a fan, Simo? Yeah, he's very much in that range of um, of second rowers where you've got the up and coming guys um, mm-hmm. with Lolo sprinkled sprinkled through, mm-hmm. um, similar to Ola Kawatu, um, Luciano, yeah. Luciano. Yeah, the yeah. arrows pointing up on those sorts of guys. So. Someone that you could look at in your middle middle rounds of your draft, and if you can get him as a two, like you said, good value. Mm. 
or even getting two of those guys potentially, like as a one and a two, I don't hate because they're going to have sprinkled um, upside games. So really good value in those sort of round, what, five to eight for those sort of players. Um, yep, somewhere in there. Exactly. Uh, Lachlan Ilias, I believe is the pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, is he someone we think will hold on to that halfback spot? Or is Taffy going to move from fullback and, and is, take that position? Is Taff is Taff a half? I don't know. I believe he is by trade, Simo. You're usually all over the, these young guns. Yeah, um, I think all the all reports suggest that Taff's trying to lock down the utility spot on the bench uh, um, right. because of his because of his ability to play across fullback and and halves. Um, whereas Ilias is your more your more halfback. Um, by trade, so right. I would imagine that Ilias will hold down the spot because it's such an easy position. Mm-hmm. Uh, halfback at South, you, you've obviously got you know, <laughs> the Australian hooker, or one of the, one of the best hookers in the game. You got Latrell and Cody there to run the show. Like you're just a game. You can just be a game manager as a young player, and mm-hmm. there's no pressure on you, so he can just take his time. So I think he'll hold on to the spot. Whether that's super coach relevant, probably not. Yeah, more of a distributor than anything. A um, little bit of interest for me, uh, to is someone I think is very talented if the minutes were to point up. And I think the way that um, with, with with the way that team is set up, I think he's a chance to push more onto a 50 average plus, but nothing, I guess, super exciting till we know. Um, Jai Arrow on an edge, Cam Murray as a lock. Very basically, Cam Murray, when he's playing lock, he's a guy I want in my super coach side. Um, he's a 70 plus average just waiting to happen. Um, like round two, pretty much a guarantee for round two, Simo? Yeah, I think he's similar to Maddo. Um, he's, yeah, one of those guys that will be a similar range, 20th to 25th overall, somewhere in there. M- maybe even higher if you're a fanboy or something, but... Jai <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Arrow, Tony? He's, uh, he's a good-looking bloke. Not for me. I think he'll average probably 55-ish. Okay. Oh, maybe a bit of high. Maybe a bit high. Jai Arrow being FRF eligible is very relevant to me because if you're getting a 55 That's to 60, true. that is a sneaky play, and I think he can be had a fair bit later as well. Um, he's someone that I'd be targeting. Um, if you're sort of sitting around, oh, geez, 10 plus, and he's still sitting there, which I think he will be, I think that's a very sneaky pickup. Uh, on top of that, I think I, I've got interest. A, a backline of South is always interesting. Uh, Tane Milne is one of your boys, Simo. Will he actually be starting in the centres? He is one of my boys, um, but I, I don't think it's looking good for him, actually. I think they're looking at Paulo might be the latest name to be starting at centre. Okay, with, with um, Mansour. With the source, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a bit okay. of a blow to Tane Milne's prospects. Yeah, right. What a shame. But the source is always interesting, mate. He actually came back with a bit of a bang last year uh, once he actually got a time in the side. Uh, he, I love the source, mate. Absolutely love him. Oh, yeah. He's he's very likable bloke. But um, I think with the source, you just have to remember, like, he was pretty pretty bad when he was on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Once, um, once he moved across to the left when AJ was out for those few weeks, that's where he put on all his scores. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's someone that obviously he's going to be okay because he's in a, an elite team on a good back line. So, um, 
I understand it, but yeah, just be careful not to buy in too much based on his scores when he was on the left. Okay, good shout, mate. Like that. Uh, moving on to the Dragons, so I I think they're going to struggle. Um, I I'm not not on board with this side. So just super coach relevant players for mine. Um, Andrew McCulloch to sort of settle in somewhere at the base of the the top ten of the hookers. Sort of a bit of a duller option and you know injury risk. Um, Ben Hunt is he is the attack of this side and he he will score tries and have big upside games. Um, I I never like investing you know high draft picks in sides I tip to struggle, especially halves. So yeah. he, I just feel like his average was a bit big last year for what I expect it to be. Is he still a top 10 starting player? Yeah, he is. Um, I want to just hear he, your he thoughts. Is. He's an absolute top 10 half. He um, is. Would you have him above Sam Walker and Nico Hines, or have you got him lower? Uh, definitely lower. Yeah, definitely lower. Me too. Now, I think, Toddy, from, from what you, we were discussing, you've got him uh, above Sam Walker? Yeah, I've got him above Sam Walker. Okay, do explain. Yes, I just think that he's going to he's gonna control his team. And I think with Carey coming back for Walker, you might see a little dip for Walker. That's just the way I've seen it sort of happening. Okay, but it's, you've it's got him pretty more, close. It's not more, yeah, they're pretty close. It's not more that I like Ben Hunt more as a player. It's more yep. Kiri's influence on on Sam Walker and what he's going to do. Okay. And you said Toby Sexton earlier. You've got where does Sexton fit in besides? Oh, Sexton's Walker? still below those blokes. Right. Okay. Nice. Um, the return of Zach Lomax, who had a really injury riddled season last year, lost the fullback eligibility, um, but you'd be more likely to play him in the CTW. I think he's a really good real life player, and they'll still score garbage points where he'll get, you know, his conversions. Um, is Zach Lomax still someone you'd have as a, a number one CTW Simo, or are you fading him a little more? Um, for me, he's still a clear, clear top ten. Like, yeah. If when you when you're saying CTW one, yeah, t- top ten, he's still there. So, uh, hopefully, he can bounce back a bit and, um, you know, get back to that Origin caliber player that he's shown in the past. Agreed. Uh, Tyrell Sloan, Oof. speed demon, absolute speed demon. Um, size. You like him a bit as a four CTW, right? And but you may have to pay more given that he's fullback eligible. How how I guess excited would you have to be to take him inside the first eight rounds, Todd? I think I'll. I'll I mean, I could be a sneaky chance of doing that, boys. He's one of my breakouts of the year. <laughs> Nice. I like what I saw last year. He was really quick, really nimble, quite crafty on the ball. And then what I saw from him last night, he's definitely put on some size. And okay. I like that. I think if he keeps that pace and he's he's going to get the minutes, obviously playing fullback there, he's going to bring a lot of ball back and a little bit of more size. He could break in a few more tackles. So he's one of my breakouts of the year, boys. Well, there's some BDE calls here, folks. You heard it first. Yeah, Tyrell yes. Sloan. Yeah, love, love a bit of Sloan. It is. <laughs> It's some energy or expert <laughs> knowledge. I like it. Um, look, that's a side as well that I think is worth mentioning is uh, Jack Bird and Jack DeBellin. DeBellin is a fantastic lock uh, in real life. Do we think he'll get back to being a solid super coach contributor, Simo? Um, I think he will end up playing front row and he'll be solid, uh, okay. but he, he probably won't have uh, the upside that you would typically like in your 2RF position for fantasy. Um, I'm actually a bit more bullish on Jack Bird, to be honest, with the CTW mm. um, eligible spot. I think it's if he can lock down um, good minutes in the back row there, uh, in, in the 13, uh, I think 
he'll be a busy enough player where he'll average pretty well. Good base on him. Yeah, don't hate him as a CTW play at the back end just for that base. I'm with you. Um, just a special mention to Moses Suli as well and that I've ranked him as aggressively negatively as you possibly could because I just really <laughs> do not think he's a player you should be targeting in any capacity because he will let you down. Get Holy lost. Surely. Yeah, no good. Uh, yeah, I'll stick really. by that. Yeah, just just not interested. I think I've dead set. I've got him ranked as my third last, fourth last CTW with Cody Ramsey and Greg Marsu, who's not even going to start, is ranked ahead of him. So just not interested. You've got I do, I do, and Edric Lee. So Brilliant. suck on that, uh, Moses. Mate, Edric Lee played um, Queensland, mate. We talked about. I just think Moses going missing in games. I, I just this thing about him being a big talent and stuff. I'm just not about it. Um, Roosters. This is the scariest side in the league on paper, um, and I think most league fans are looking at that and saying, "Oh God, is this one of those bloody Roosters seasons again?" Simo, as the resident Roosters fan here, you've got to be drooling over that lineup, mate. Absolutely drooling. That is. It, that is a scary bloody team on paper. And to think Brandon Smith's still going to come into that team next year is freaking <laughs> ridiculous. What? Like, the the ability to cover positions with, like, Connor Watson and him and Radley, Tupanua can jump in the centres. You've got, like, Kiri and Walker can play either of them. Like, it, it's just absurd. You've got every position covered. Um and you've even got Lindsay Collins, who, you know, sadly did his ACL last year. Origin-level player just slots back in. Like, yeah, wow, what a side. It's, it is scandalous. Um, you know, that's what some barriers do, guys. I mean, what do you say? Um, I, you kill, just, look, I, I just say that's in, incredible management of a roster. Like, how the hell is that the side? Anyway. Uh, yeah, must have been paying the Morris boys a mint. That's all I can say. Um, oh, bloody hell. Just like we've been paying Maria Hargraves, you know, $5 million. That's what we'll say at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, everyone's favourite uh, player to pop up on a roster that is way better than what coaches think he is is Paul Momorowski. Like, you've got him now just as depth in your back line. And yeah. it may or may not start in the centres. If he starts in the centres, mate, I am absolutely all about him as a four CTW or better. Yeah, I can oh, get behind Momo. He could he could kick for all we know. Um, <laughs> if he's a, if he's a goal kicker in that team, far out, he could be good value. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's just go through it. We know Teddy. Teddy's an, an easy one. Tupo is a threat in that side. He's going to hit upside in this team. For sure. Joey Manu now, fullback eligible. I actually really like Joey Manu in this team, and he showed a bit more in terms of Supercoach last year. Um, the fact he was re-signed, and there's talk that he'll do a bit more of a roving-type role to take a bit of pressure off Teddy, he's got to be someone you're actually finally, he's getting his, you know, the recognition he deserves. He's a fairly good CTW this year, Toddy. Yeah, very good. Very, very good player. Real life, love him. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, we've we've spoken about Sam Walker. He's, Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, Marnie's been one of those guys his whole career where the talent hasn't matched up with super coach production. I feel like mm. his time's now. Like, I think yeah, he's not a breakout player by the terms of the by the meaning of the word, but I feel like fantasy points wise, this could be his breakout from where his ability on the field actually matches his production from a super coach point of view. 
Agreed. He he's aggressively going just around about the top ten for me, um, which is a big a big deal because he's usually been seen as a sort of a, a a borderline starter. So love love the idea of him. Um, okay, so Luke Keary, he's one. You look at his average from last year. He played only a handful of games, got injured, was a terrible thing for him. Looked incredible to start the year. I don't think I want to be drafting him on the base of an average of that. I still think he slots in somewhere around um, very similar to Matt Burden. So anywhere at the start of four for me is about where I want him to be. Um, on the basis that the Kiri before the start of last year wasn't... He, he's never been a 70 average guy. Um, and he's got Walker there now who... He, it doesn't just have to be Kiri um, in terms of super coach output. So I'm, I'm not jumping on him as a round three pick. Toddy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think round three is a bit early for me um, just because of the injury coming back. And like you said, young Sam Walker looked really good last year. And you can sort of oh, – yeah. Kerry's going to play that role where he sort of just works his way into games and, and injects himself wherever he wants to because Sam Walker showed that he can control and, and do all the nice halfback things. So I do like Luke Kerry, but I just don't think – you don't want, don't want to be taking him in the third round. Agreed. Uh, that leads us then to uh, onto those back rowers. Like Angus Crichton, Satili Tupanua, and Victor Radley, that is phenomenal. Uh, I, For mine, Angus Crichton, we've already said, is like borderline round one, start of two. Tupanua, his floor is not that outstanding because he is that edge back rower. And I noticed that his base run stats are not great, Simo. Is he someone that you think might slightly be overdrafted based on the hype? Is this Crichton or Tupanua? Sorry. No, this is Tupanua. Crichton's base plus upside oh, combo is is easily top top couple. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, Tupanua. He he could be overdrafted just because he scored so many tries last year. Like, you, mm-hmm. if he doesn't get the tries, is his base going to be there? Probably not. So, for me, he's a rung down from the Olakawatu, Kalamatangi, Lucy mm-hmm. Leilua bunch but he's mm-hmm. he's not far behind but he's he's a clear um a drop down so I'll, if i was stuck on draft day and they're the guys i'm tossing up between mm-hmm. i'm always going the other way with those guys we've mentioned before yeah i agree with you i do think the overdrafting will happen now i toddy if i'm reading you correctly i think you're on satilli what, yeah, what round am. do you think where where how how excited are you i'm not that excited man i just i just like the way he plays i i don't know if i could pull myself like as a if you're looking at him as a second 2RF and you've got one of those top, top-tier guys, I think he's a fine mm-hmm. play, um, but it's not someone I'm chasing. Um, yeah, I just think – I just really like the way he plays. I think he looks really good, whether it turns into fantasy. And it's, and that's what Simo was saying. The floor is mm-hmm. probably too low. Mm. Do you think then Victor Radley becomes a starter in, uh, in your 2RF? Um, he has talked about potentially trying not to get suspended every week. Um, can he can he round into a starter, Simo? It would be a good place to start, actually be on the field. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Um, I mean, I feel like the, the reward is there for a guy like Radley. If you if you want to take the punt, if he ends up getting big minutes in that team, he's going to do good things. Um, there'll be, there will be games where he doesn't, he's upside. He's not a huge base beast by any means. Mm-hmm. He's more of an impact style. Like he'll 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 hit guys really hard 25 times a game, and that'll be his 25 tackles. He's not a um, you know, like a 40 tackle player. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't mind Radley. I think he's a good three because he has yes. upside. But yeah, I wouldn't want him as a two. I like him as three. I'm just very interested to see how Connor Watson fits into that side between sort of Locke and nine with 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 Farrell sort of uh, obviously suspended week one as well. So interesting makeup, but that's just I, I want a piece of this Roosters side for my Super Coach team. You're going to hit upside very consistently. Um, onto a side that I, I'd be less inclined to want a piece of um, in the Tigers. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. Like, I never really understand their recruitment. And outside of, uh, look, Utukamanu is obviously on the ascent. He he finished the season beastly. And he he's a guy who obviously averaged less overall than he will for the season. So he's a really good guy to slot into those, um, you know, 10 to 20 FRFs. And you could have him as your number one. Um, aside from that, though, like Jacob Little, with Peachy there now on the bench, uh, like Little needs 80 minutes to be a top 10 for sure. What are your thoughts, Todd? Yeah, I agree. I think Little's sort of in my rankings. I've got him ranked around that um, sort of Verrills, Jeremy Marshall, King kind of area. And I yep. do think like just above him, you, I've, I've got sort of a Starling, McCulloch. I still would like a, a Wade Egan there too over Little just because I think Peachy plays, takes a lot of minutes off him. Peachy's yeah. a very good player, so... Yeah, I just yeah, I don't I don't love Little as a play, and I don't think he's going to be a top ten hooker by the end of the year. I really see Peachy as a luxury player, and I think the Tigers is not a very good fit for him. Uh, he 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 needs to have that. Like when he was at the Panthers, and when the Panthers were dominating, he could just come in. I just yeah, I I don't like it much. But um, look, if for me this side, Luciano Luciano, sorry, he will uh, be a starting two or F sort of sit in as that that sixty ish average, really classy player. Dane Laurie Simo, big fan real life. He is the, you know, he's the spark for this team. He ended up with a sub 60 average. Is that about as good as it gets for him? Oh, he's a real good player. I think he's got improvement in that average. I think he's, um, he could easily average another five points a game and get up. He's just, now that he's lost the duel, he just, is almost irrelevant wise, unfortunately. It's just yeah, it's just the way of the position, really. Short of, uh, look, as we're getting closer to it, I'll, I'll sort of drop it now. He he could be potentially be part of that platoon for the right matchups. There are so many fullbacks that are essentially irrelevant that drafting two of them and working in a schedule that works against each other is a strategy that I, I'm going to be looking at myself. Um, picking late end of the first round and missing out on the trail probably by a pick Having a combination of Jaden Campbell and Dufty or Kennedy and Edwards, Laurie, those type of guys, if you play them in the right matchup, I think you could have got a chance of hitting upside. Um, and it's rugby league, when you've got teams like the Storm and the Roosters and the Panthers that you just want to avoid those matchups, if you just pencil, like drop those, the, the whichever starting fullback is, is playing those in any given week, um, maybe even Manly thrown in there as well, and just rotate them through as a platoon, I think it could be a good strategy this year, given just how many of those guys are only fullback eligible. My only question to that is, how many are you drafting then? Just like, two. Keep on your bench. Two. So I've worked out some strategies. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look to do a bit of a write-up on this um, to, to set up for the preseason. But, for example, like I believe it's... Uh, Titans and Bulldogs have a good schedule that works. So you avoid... Pretty much, I think there was one week where you can't um, have either of your fullbacks avoiding that schedule. 
Um, but there are periods where, it, like for most of the season, if you find the right combo, I've done it. For those who play NFL fantasy, I've done it in the QB, uh, QB rankings before. We literally just pick the best matchup each week. You don't always get it right, don't get me wrong, but I think NRL is somewhat predictable against those really good sides. Um, Toddy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, the, um, the the theory makes sense. It's just trying to find that right balance. And, and do you want to be carrying a, a spare fullback on your bench the whole year, just interchanging? I, I don't know. I guess if you're getting one of those sort of Tyrell Sloan's, um, a Joey Manu, you can sort of plug into your fullback as well. That kind of CT dub fullback that could work. Mm, mm. That'd be nice. But yeah, it's it's carrying that extra sort of player you're not going to play or hasn't have a chance to play each week is going to be rough. It just really depends on how late you're getting them. So if Dane Laurie, because all the other teams already have their ten fullbacks, they're not going to be prioritising him. So if he's going at like round twelve plus and he's essentially a bench player anyway, that's where the strategy comes into its own for mine. So I'm not saying you invest two early picks in them, but just two later picks where you build the rest of your team and you just try and get a hundred, a chance of 100 from your fullback later. I think if ever there's a year to give it a crack, this could be the one. Yeah, fair. Yeah, the only it other... definitely has merit. I think you've... Mm-hmm. Um, I, said, I, I was just saying it definitely has merit. I think you're onto something for the teams like yourself that aren't going to get that high-end fullback. Mm. Um, as long as you stick with it, I really think. As long as you tell yourself, I'm going to get this wrong and I'm just going to stick with the matchups and that's just going to be the way I live or die, I think yeah. you just have to go with that regardless, you know? Absolutely, mate. If Tyrell Sloan... I mean, Todsy, that was a really good um, little asterisk to that. You said for guys who are eligible at CTW as well and you just drop the other fullback when they're in the bad matchup and move Sloan across to the fullback, yeah. that's an even better version of it if you could find that to work. So I, I quite like that. Yeah. Um, the only other two guys from this side, so Jackson Hastings we touched on briefly. Do we think that's going to work, fellas, um, until Dewey comes back? who may even play in the centres as he looked great there last year. Um, what are our thoughts on Hastings? I don't really have any thoughts on him. I didn't watch him in the Super League. I, he wasn't great when he was here. I, I mean, it's, it's the Tigers too. I I don't think he's going to be relevant at all. I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit the other way, to be honest. Ooh. I'm pretty optimistic on Hastings, to be honest, as a late-round dual-eligible half. Um, I think he'll get the kicking, and I don't think Dewey will get it back. Uh, Jackson Hastings, when he was over here in Australia, mm. um, was a great kicker when he was younger. Like, he was a really hot hot prospect. I think he's done his time away. I think he'll come back um, and and be an okay fantasy play. Um, someone I'm willing to take in the double-digit rounds. And um, if, it, if he has to be a starter for me, I'd, I wouldn't love it, but it's something that I'd be – okay with because I, I do see a, a world out there where he actually um outperforms that draft position todd so he was talented mate he just had some character concerns and that's why he just never cut it out here like he had oh, okay. a was it manly in sydney simo i think he had a manly yeah. junior went yeah. to sydney yeah just couldn't make it stick and but the talent was there it could be a redemption story where he's like i, I know this is my last shot if i blow it this year i'm done um so I'm curious as well, and I really I'm with you as a bit of a flyer, provided it's in the double digit plus rounds. He's a decent guy to take a punt on, particularly being dual eligible as well. Um, Alex, Just for the 12, record, I think yeah, he was a Dragons junior and got both Dragons. That's right, mate. Sorry, I got that one wrong. Thank I you. I think, for the and then he went to Manly after that. But 
Yeah, yeah. you're right, mate. No, that's your, your spot on. Um, Alex Twal is will he, will he score a try? Is it going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, under over, I'm going to say Alex Twal gets over the line this year. That's my bold prediction, boys. Boy, that's bold. Jeez. That's bold. That I think you've got to take the unders. <laughs> you, do. you actually do. Um, listen, I believe in you, Alex. You got this, mate. Um, all right, so that that's our run through of the sides, boys. A bit of a marathon effort there, but it is it is a preseason potty, and we like to go into the uh, the extra mile of detail for our listeners. Um, I've spoken about my fullback uh, strategy, and just that it is insanely deep. I think the only other position that I really um, you know, CCW is what it is. It's it's crazy deep as always, and it's a bit of a crapshoot. Five eighth is the other one I want to talk about. Uh, sorry, just halfback is deeper than uh, five eighth. Two RF is very deep as always, and it's really just pick your poison. FRF also quite deep. Lots of really good options in the middle rounds there. And we've spoken about hooker a fair bit, to be honest. Um, I think we've given a fair idea of where we're at. Let's just finish this podcast by talking about the five eight spot. It is really rough, and it gets rough fast. So yeah. if you're Cody Nicarimas, Albert Kelly's, Jack White, and Sean Johnson, Josh Schuster's injured, Drinkwater and the talkie may not even start, which is just madness to me. Um, Jaden Sullivan, will he start? Will Amone start? Hastings, as you said, um, Ilias, Avarillo. Listen to all these names. There are question marks, uh, Brimson even. Question marks over everyone outside of the top. What is it? One, two, three. There's a clear top six, and then there's a drop. Yep. Where are we at, guys? Like, do you just have to pony up early, try and get Walker Munster? If you don't, do you have to prioritize getting one of Kiri Burton, Luai Brown, maybe Schuster, depending on how he looks? You have to pony up for those guys. Uh, That's the problem. Uh, Sim, I'm keen to. What, what are you? What's your plan, mate? You get turbo first overall. When do you address your five eight? Oh, I think with five eight this year, you really just, especially for the early picks, um, you kind of just have to just let it come to you. I, I, it's really hard to force the value this year, mm. um, especially yeah. If you're down towards the back end of the draft, you can kind of get a Kiri fall to you with that round, late round three, early round four range, which is quite good, uh, or even Matt Burton. Um, but anyone picking early, you kind of have to just wait it out. And you might get lucky and you might get Burton come all the way back in the fourth round. Uh, but yeah. if, assuming he doesn't, which he probably won't, um, anyone picking one through four is kind of stuck with um, – Drafting a, a Luai Brown, um, Johnson, or taking the punt on Schuster injured, you know, doing that. I think that's kind of all you can do if you're an early pick. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts from you, uh, Todd? I know if you weren't to take Grant in round one, I feel like you're a red hot show of actually looking yeah. at Cody Walker three, not even yeah. Teddy for you. Yeah. yeah, no, I was looking at Walker. I just think because fullback's so deep, like you were saying, you're running your, you're teasing your platoon all day. Um, so it is deep, and I just think five eight is such a big drop off from after for me after Jerome Luai. It's and you know Joshy Schuster's a bit injured, so he's probably in a tier of his own. But the drop off for there from there for me is just a lot. So I was very much considering taking Walker at three. Yeah, I mean, 
people are going to have to be starting one of the, you know, the White and Kelly. I'm just listing it roughly in the order I've got them. You're going to have to start. Someone will. If you yeah. can make one of those guys work late, your, your team is probably going to look pretty good, right? Like, that's almost the strategy here. Most people are going to struggle to get one that's going to consistently nudge the 100. Um, e- I mean, even Kiri, Burton, and Luai are far from locks to be, you know, amazing this year. Um, Dylan Brown included. Brimson, question marks. Maybe maybe if you don't get Walker Munster, as you said, Simo, let it come to you. Just, just sit and wait. Not bad. All right, well... Yeah, like... I wouldn't be doing anything stupid like reaching for Jerome Luai or Dylan Brown in round five or something like that. I think mm. the risk is still there where these guys could just continue on the end of last year where they're averaging 45 points, you know. So you have to just be happy to wait for a, a value that you think is okay and just go with that. Beautiful. Well, for mine, the rest of the positions we've, we've covered pretty well. Um, just any other comments on the position by p- position or strategies from uh, from either of you? Simo, you go first, mate. Yeah, um, I think my big thing is I'm, I'm not as worried about halfback as um, some of the other positions. Agreed. Uh, I think halfback often gets a bad knock for being shallow, and it, it is shallow, don't get me wrong, but when you're looking at Moses as, as the eighth-ranked player and then you've got, um, you know, like Sexton, Johnson, Fogarty, Adam Reynolds mm. even, Jackson mm. Hastings, there's enough there that, if you had to play the worst of those, you're not sunk. Whereas Agreed. five eight, you kind of are. I do agree, mate. It, it makes it makes me want to vomit even more seeing DC considered in round one <laughs> when you see what's what's behind it. It's it's a it's a shit pick. <laughs> <laughs> Get better at darts, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thanks, thanks, thanks for that, Todd. Um, yeah, it's been great having you on the podcast as a well runner, done, mate. Uh, Great having you, but no, seriously, boys, uh, been a blast going through each of these teams. Um, you know, we really enjoyed going as deep as we did, um, and hopefully the listeners really enjoyed it. Um, I think the only couple of things left to say are um, we're going to be running our, obviously, weekly uh, waiver slash um, draft podcast. We've got a bit of a new revamp structure as well for that to keep it interesting and, and add some a, a little twist each week. Um Excited to, to offer that to you, listeners. And, um, yeah, look, there's plenty of BDE to come, boys. So thank you very much for uh, joining me today, Simon. Yeah, thanks, mate. You can never get enough BDE. Can never get enough. And, Toddy, your debut, mate, look, to be fair, uh, there's room to improve, but I think you, you offered plenty, sir. Cheers, mate. Always looking to improve. <laughs> just, just happy to be here, you know, see the table. <laughs> no, you did well, mate. It was uh, really good to have you on board this year. Um, and yeah, look at that, you know, bigger social media presence this year is the plan. And um, would love to answer some questions from the listeners as the season goes on and try our best not to absolutely botch the advice. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to it and uh, can't wait for the footy to, to come around. So thank you, listeners. See you yeah. soon. Good Happy stuff. drafting. <laughs>